0: sports page podcast is brought to you by the canadian brew house order your favorite cbh menu items from the comfort of your home with skip the dishes okay man let's turn and burn are you not at the and here we The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host,
1: Derek Taylor. Nope! 405 on a Thursday. How you doing? Very special edition of the Sports Cage. It's not the backup edition of the Sports Cage. It's not even the third stringer edition of the Sports Cage It's the red shirt edition of the Sports Cage. Clayton Croker alongside Abby White. Abby... The standards, they're low today, right? The expectations?
2: <laughs> I was just saying that uh, I think a lot of companies are going through the same thing. I mean, with uh, COVID and all that kind of stuff, uh, people have either had to work from home or uh, they've had to adjust. Uh, pivots is probably the best word for it. Uh, now, DT doesn't have COVID. He's, he's uh, got an event that he's part of in uh, Saskatoon, but uh, normally, you know, Ballsy might be here. He's on holidays, so uh, here we go. It's you and I today.
1: Like I said, the red shirts are taking over the sports cage today. If you got any good backup stories, third stringer stories, that's going to be the theme for the show today. Uh, make sure you text the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation text line, the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line, 306-936-6262. Even though DT's not here, jam-packed show today. We'll get to the big rider news that just happened. Hallelujah, there's some rider news, Abby. Oh, Thank you, Kyron Moore. Thank you for giving us something to talk about here. Uh, also though, we got a lot of guests joining us on the, uh, Western Pizza Hotline today. We got Marshall Ferguson, Canadian football wizard, joining us at 4.30. We'll be talking about Dane Evans, Jeremiah Massoli, bunch of other stuff. Uh, Evan Johnson, Saskatchewan Rough Rider offensive lineman, good Sasky boy. He's gonna be joining us at 5.05. Hopefully, he's gonna be calling in. Hopefully he calls in. Uh, then we got fine tailored suits. Brought to you by Quality Tire. Glenn Suter joining us at 5.30. And then the Madani Reports for Smart Investing Solutions. Arash Madani going to be joining us at 6.05. Might not make too many Minnesota Vikings jokes. Just kidding, Abby. Let's give him a really hard time about the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I think we probably should. We're going to be talking some NFL today as well. The big uh, NFL playoff weekend, of course, coming up. Maybe more NFL talk tomorrow. But, uh, of course, the big news. Kyron Moore back. One-year deal. Uh, according to Farhan Mulji as well, it's worth $120,000. So Kyron Moore getting paid. The 25-year-old, he had 64 catches last year, 585 yards, three touchdowns in 11 games. All we need now is Duke Williams, right, Abby? I mean, Kyron Moore is in the fold. All we need now is the Duke. Yeah, it would be nice to see him
2: re-sign. For sure, he was one of the most exciting players uh, down the stretch for the Riders. It would be nice to see them uh, lock him up. And obviously, uh, question marks still remain uh, around Shaq Evans uh, at this point. We'd Mm -hmm. love to see him back in green and white as well. But we know for sure Swerve is going to be back uh, with the Riders.
1: Well, his 2019 season, it was real good. 78 catches, 996 yards, four yards away from a 1,000. I, I know receivers, they always brag about that 1,000-yard mark. That's got to be a kick to the cash and prizes for Kyron Moore there, maybe a bonus in there too. But his 2019 was great. Uh No one's 2022 was great because no one was playing. And uh, last year, I mean, leading the team in uh, catches and yards. So Kyron Moore, pretty big piece back in the fold um again Shaq Evans you brought it up Abby that's another receiver Duke Williams I want to talk about Justin McKinnis for a while because after Brayden Lenius got let go I mean a big Canadian receiver not in the fold it is nice having an American like Kyron Moore back. but at, at Canadian receivers did they bring back Justin McInnes or should they bring back someone else
2: well, I mean, I liked what I saw from McKinnis, so I don't see why uh, you wouldn't go there. But, I mean, it depends on what other options are out there. I saw that uh, the Riders also released, uh, I think it was Dupuy today, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, i seen, so, um, yeah, I mean, they got to make some, you know, they got to get some Canadians uh, on the roster in some capacity there, um, and it would be nice to have one in the receiving corps for sure.
1: Well, usually the NFL goes after the Americans, right? Usually you usually don't have to worry about your Canadian talent going south of the border. But with Braden Lennius, in this case, uh, it's the old double-edged sword there. Not only is he Canadian, but he's also talented going to the NFL. We talked about it earlier this week with DT. You want those guys to do well, Abby, but at the same time, do you? <laughs> because you really want him back, right? I mean, yeah, Justin McKinnis he could be the next Key and Schaefer-Baco or Braden Lennius, but he's just a little unproven, and, yeah, the injury bug has hit him a little hard as well. Um, again, hit us up on the text line, 306-936-6262. How many times do you think I say Cruz FM's t- uh, text and phone number today, Abby? Well, have not it up too yet. many. <laughs> again, it is the backup show on the SportsCade, so if you want to talk about Kyron Moore, and his expectations for this year, or if you want to talk some backups, again, text or call 306-936-6262. When I say backup quarterback or backup goalie, what's the, what's the first name that comes to mind, Abby?
2: For me? For backups?
1: Yeah, like personally. like What's your favorite backup quarterback, backup goalie? Like, Do you have one, or am I the only weirdo that likes well, the backup quarterback? I mean,
2: the first one that came to my mind right away for some reason was Tom Burchis. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what the weird name that came to my mind? Tino Sanceri why <laughs> i don't know also bizarre. yeah i know right but that's the thing about the backups right they're the most loved person until they actually get on the field right i mean five minutes into the backup sports cage you can you can tell why right the backups you love them until they're in the game hey i'm going to throw out some other names for you here and see if you recognize these these backup legends okay marcus crandall you remember that saskatchewan I yes i do yeah. absolutely because he was paired with another backup. It was Nelon Green. Remember that year they went back and forth? It was Crandall and Green. The Riders basically just had two backup quarterbacks starting every other game. Um Quinton Porter. Yep. Ring a bell. Yeah. Yep. Hamilton Tiger Cat. He was born to be a backup quarterback. Uh, this one's going to hit close to home. Sawyer Bittner from the Regina Rams. Probably the best backup quarterback story of 2021, was it not? Absolutely. That guy. I mean, I think he was a starter in Ottawa. I don't know. But man, that guy, what a 2021 for him. Um, Chase Daniel in the NFL. I know you're an NFL guy. Chase Daniel. Has he even started a game before?
2: <laughs> Not sure on that.
1: Hey, you know what? Though, when you're talking about backups,
2: I mean, think about it. Cody Fajardo was a backup quarterback for yeah. several years and finally got his chance here in Ryder Nation. And well, now we know uh, where things are at with him.
1: Well, that's the story with the CFL, right? And that's why I love the backup quarterbacks, because the backup quarterbacks, more often than not, they got to sit on the bench for like three, four, five years in the CFL before they actually get their shot, because the game's so hard to learn when you're a quarterback. American football, Canadian football, unlimited motion, the extra player, it takes a long time. So just to see the players on the bench grow and develop like Cody. When Cody first came in the league with Toronto, ah, that guy... He was throwing muffins. Like Tim Tebow, he was throwing a good ball compared to Cody when he first got into the league. Maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but just seeing Cody build and mature and grow, it, it's been so nice to see. And I got a soft spot for the for the backup quarterbacks. Uh, I'll throw a couple more at you. Doug Flutie. Oh, yeah. Not in the CFL. He was never really a backup, but like the best NFL backup quarterback of all time. I'm going to start throwing some goalies at you here. Jamie McLennan. <laughs> yeah. Like, the ultimate backup goalie. He was never, ever a starter. He was always so bad. Scott Clemenson, ring a bell? Yes. Yeah, he was uh, Martin Brodeur's backup for a lot of years as well. Same with yeah. Kevin Weeks. You've got the best um,
2: paycheck ever. I mean, when you're oh. backing up Brodeur, uh, riding the pine, getting uh, a game every probably two, three weeks maybe, if you're lucky, uh, but two, still collecting you know, more money than you and I will ever see. So,
1: Also, Brett Favre's backup quarterbacks. Like, is that not the best job of all time? You literally get paid to hold a clipboard.
2: Yeah, but I, wasn't Rodgers a backup of his, too, at one point?
1: Well, he was until, you know, he got old and started starring in those weird Wrangler jeans commercials. But, uh, you know, old guys got to go eventually. But yeah, you are right. Aaron Rodgers came in. He was like the drafted backup quarterback, though. I'm talking about, like, the journeyman guys, like like the Anton Kadobins of the world. Like before Anton Kadobin got famous in Dallas, this guy was a complete suitcase in the NHL. Like he was going all over the place and then just lights it up in the bubble. Former Saskatoon Blade, by the way. Uh, Charlie Batch is another one. Remember Charlie Batch? Uh, No, not that name. Pittsburgh Steelers, Charlie Bash. This guy was uh, Big Ben's backup for absolutely ever. But your best backup quarterback, backup goalie memories, fire them our way. 306-936-6262. Again, lots on the sports cage today. We got Evan Johnson from your riders coming up. We got Arash Madani. We got Glenn Suter. We got uh, sports cage favorite Marshall Ferguson coming up at 430 on the cage.
0: Keeping you connected to everything that matters in the sports scene. It's the Sports Cage with Derek and the panel. 620 CKRM.
1: 415 on a Thursday. It is the backup edition of the Sports Cage. Clayton Croker, Abby White joining you. Make sure you text us 306 936 Sixty-two, sixty-two. The text line here brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation, the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. Uh, TC from Medicine Hat. He said he might be the only guy in Rider Nation to own a J.T. O'Sullivan jersey. Hashtag deep cuts. Wow. There's no way you actually have a J.T. O'Sullivan jersey. Like I remember <laughs> him kind of playing for Cincinnati back in the day. But a J.T. O'Sullivan, that's a deep cut right there, Abby. I'd like to
2: know what, uh, why, really? I mean, what, what is <laughs> the, what is no, what is the connection there? What was it about him that um, he decided to go out and 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 get the jersey? Really, because that is a pretty random one. I love it though. There's probably more of those out hint. there from Rider Nation. <laughs>
1: Good last name right there. O'Sullivan, that's a good Irish name. The it, it passes the junior hockey nickname test, right? Sully, anyone with the last name Sullivan, Sully O'Sully, great name, great nickname. Not a good quarterback though. I don't remember JT O'Sullivan being particularly good. So uh I love the backup quarterback, backup goalie discussion we're having. Let's keep it close to home, though, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, Abby was talking off mic here. A little worried about the quarterback room after Cody Fajardo when we get to the second and third strings?
2: Well, it's just we aren't really sure right now at this point what the backup situation is going to look like because uh, will Isaac Harker be back? Uh, will it be Mason fine? Will there be somebody else? Where, you know, I was curious about Paxton Lynch and how things were going to look with him, but uh, with the whole vaccination thing, I don't know if he will be back um, because I think he left for not uh being vaccinated that's uh, yeah he gone what I had he's heard, not he's so. not
1: he's not coming back he's not like the cat in that one song by Robert Munch. he is not coming back uh, um i wish he would though i was all over the Paxton Lynch bandwagon like right when he signed on the sports cage i looked like such an idiot i was like oh this guy He's the future backup. He's going to be Cody's number two. Nah, he didn't even make an impact at all. I think we were all super excited about Paxton Lynch. Everyone is whenever a former number one pick is coming to the CFL. But, well, number first round pick, I should say. He wasn't number one. But Mason Fine, 5'11", out of North Texas. Have you seen this guy's college highlight tape? I have not, no. It's actually pretty impressive. Like, Mason Fine was a very, very good college quarterback. But how many times do you say that? Very good college quarterback. Uh, that doesn't really translate well in the CFL. Uh, everything at a camp, out of practice looks good for Mason Fine. Again, him and Isaac Harker, don't know. Are you on team give Fine and Harker another chance, Abby? Or are you on team, maybe let's bring in a veteran and, and get Cody some competition?
2: Yeah, I am uh, I think with it being a great cup year, I think that um – You know, Rider Nation, we would feel more comfortable if we had somebody with a little more experience, you know, behind center there. So I guess we'll see who's available. It's
1: weird because Cody does have experience but also he doesn't, right? Like it's he's in that weird in-between phase for a quarterback. He's got 2 years under his belts, but as a starter you want like, you know, 4 or 5 to be a veteran starting quarterback. So he's in like that awkward, like dare I say puberty stage for a quarterback, right? So like he's he's done <laughs> his time on the bench, right? And then, you know, his voice started to change, hair started to grow in random places, and now he's kind of going through that puberty stage of being a starting quarterback and it sucks because the backup in the third string what do you do do you invest a lot in that position knowing that Fergiardo's the guy but like if he goes down or has another slow start to the season uh ah, quarterbacks man they're tough
2: yeah it's a tough spot to uh to fill for sure uh maybe kevin glenn <laughs>
1: See what he's doing. Hey, get Kerry Joseph on the phone for going down there. What's Michael Bishop up to, actually? yeah. While we're talking about backup quarterbacks, may as well talk about Michael Bishop in there as well. On the Twitter, by the way, uh, you can follow me at Twitter, at Radio Clayton, shameless plug. Uh, Perry, uh, he's got Andy Moog and Tom Burgess. Those are his favorite backups on there. So uh, let us know what you want the Riders to do as well when it comes to the backup quarterback. 306-936-6262. There aren't a lot of options out there right now to add a veteran, right? Like, well, there I mean, Masoli's names, is, yeah?
2: You know, I'm not that I think Masoli would take a backup role, but maybe he would because obviously today that uh, it was announced that Dane Evans is back in Hamilton. So mm-hmm. obviously they're saying, okay, Danes our guy, so uh, does Masoli go? You know. Is there a spot somewhere with him on another team to be a starter, or maybe he's the kind of guy that would uh, would be a nice fit to uh, to have a little uh, you know a backup that you're confident that you know has some has some reps in the CFL?
1: I think he's too good for the Riders. I don't think that would be a good move for the Riders because I think immediately Rider Nation would be like, nope, start Masoli. Cause he's a proven CFL quarterback, right? So right away you're starting a quarterback controversy. It's Missoli versus Fajardo right away instead of them working as a team. You need like that perfect quarterback who has experience but no starting experience. Like it's not going to threaten Fajardo's starting job. You just want him to nip on his heels a bit, right? I think you bring in Masoli, and it brings in the wrong message. It's like, Cody, you haven't been doing what we want. This guy can bring what we want. I think that brings in the, the bad competition, but I think you're you're on the right track here. I think that mayor kid would have been perfect. I, I think they can
2: control the narrative, though. You know, really, I mean, the team can say, listen, it's Cody. We all know that Cody's our guy. So Cody's the guy. We just want to have, you know, we want to be comfortable in the backup role. Should we have to go there uh, that they'll be able to run with it? But then again, I guess when you look at back at 2019, it was uh, Zach Kleros' team. And you know, Cody was the backup, and we kind of knew that he had played in the league a little bit, but we didn't know what to expect from him. And then he just came out guns a blazing when he was given the ball and uh, earned that uh, starting role. So
1: mm-hmm. it would begin. It would be nice just to have a Kerry Joseph, a Kevin Glenn that could come in and back up this guy. But I just nothing nothing comes to mind right now. Dominic Davis just got released by the Ottawa Redblacks. Do we bring him in? No, <laughs> like, obviously not, right? It's just there used to be so many veteran CFL pivots out there, and maybe I'm just blanking. I don't know. But well, I think DT doesn't...
2: floated uh, Matt Nichols last week. Uh, but do that's... you want to go there?
1: Yeah, <laughs> Hmm. If we know that Fajardo is 100% the guy, then I think Matt Nichols isn't a bad backup to have. Yeah, why, why, I mean... why would
2: you say that Fajardo isn't, though? Of course he's our guy.
1: Ah, there's... There's been rumblings. Like, again, any time a quarterback has an off year, there are going to be rumblings, right? Even if it is his sophomore slump season. Like, every quarterback always slumps after a good first starting season, right? But I don't know. There was just some things from Cody this year. Like, in 2019, no one had a problem with Cody, right? Everyone was like, choo-choo, all aboard the Cody Fajardo train. And then after this year, like, there were starting to be some rumblings on Twitter. And I know Twitter is a mess. And I know you should never listen to Twitter. But at the same time, people weren't that happy with Cody. And, and for good reason, right? The deep ball percentages and, and, you know, missing guys by a lot, it seemed like. And I know we like to be our armchair quarterbacks here in Saskatchewan. But even armchair quarterbacks could see, you know, something was a little off this year with him.
2: Well, the proof will be in the pudding this year, as we know. So, I mean, I think he's going to have a really great bounce back season. That's the way I feel. I mean, let's face it, having a whole year off uh, in between playing football and all the weird stuff in the world. I mean, it, it was just an odd season all around for the CFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Riders still were like the second best team in the entire league. And, I know, right? And it didn't feel like we played that great.
1: That's the thing. Like, we had a good year last year. I'm saying we like I play for the Riders. No, the Riders had a very good year, second in the CFL. If it wasn't for the Bombers, who were head and shoulders above above everyone else in the league, I mean, the Riders have a very successful season. But when your biggest rival wins the Grey Cup for the second straight year, everything just seems like more of a failure, right? It's like when Winnipeg does well, our mistakes seem to be, again, there I go again, our mistakes, yeah. Uh, they seem to be magnified even more when Winnipeg does well, hey? So even though, again, Cody didn't have a bad season last year at all, but he kind of kicked himself in the butt by having such a good 2019, set himself up for failure here. So we're talking backup quarterbacks on the show today. What do the, what do the Riders do at their backup quarterback spots? Call or text 306-936-6262. We'll be asking uh, Canadian football wizard Marshall Ferguson his thoughts on Dane Evans, on Kyron Moore, on the Riders quarterback situation as well. We'll be talking to Glenn Suter about it at 5.30, but uh, Marshall Ferguson first at 4.30 on the cage.
0: Time for one big number.
1: One big number today is 28. That's how many points the Regina Pats have so far this season. Good for ninth place in the WHL's Eastern Conference. The Pats are chasing Swift Current for that final playoff spot. Regina is just three points back of the Broncos for eighth. Swift Current plays Saskatoon this weekend in a huge home-and-home series. Well, the Pats will play Moose Jaw on Sunday at 4. It's weird to say, but, Pat fans, you'll be cheering for the Saskatoon Blades this weekend. Ah, that's just weird, right? Go, Blades, go! Uh, one big number brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions today, 546 <laughs> 2533.
0: He's got something to say, and so do you. Call or text Derek now at 306-936-6262 or find us on Twitter at SportsCage. This is Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM
1: on the sports cage the backup edition of the sports cage today Clayton Croker alongside Abby White if you missed it earlier the big news Kyron Moore back with the Riders for the upcoming season Moore signed a one-year deal with Saskatchewan earlier today according to Farhan Lalji it's for $120,000 the 25 year old had 64 catches for 585 yards with three touchdowns last season in just 11 games. Rider Nation, very excited for that one. Joining us right now on the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Marshall Ferguson, Canadian football wizard. Before we get into the Kyron Moore signing and Dane Evans. Sask Senior Hockey Provincials, the, uh, the matchups were announced yesterday. Who you got in the C-Division play-in game, Mooseman or Winyard?
3: I'm a big Mooseman guy. I've been, been there, been on that bandwagon for a long, long time, Clayton. So I'm, uh, I'm riding strong with Mooseman at this point. I mean, you can't turn back, right?
1: It's in Mooseman as well, so they got the uh, home ice advantage. But, man, Winyard, their defense has been great all season long, huh? Eh?
3: Yeah, they absolutely have, and I mean, just getting pucks deep and chasing and being able to play a full 60 minutes, and you know, they've they've been able to piece it together, I really like what the boys have done this year, and you know, we'll see what the effort level looks like.
1: How's senior hockey out in Ontario? Like, do you guys make a big (laughs) deal out of the provincials and stuff too, because they announced it yesterday, and it's huge news here.
3: I love that it's huge news, like, I love, because I gotta admit, I was never a hockey guy growing up, I... I, one time out on skates and I think my dad just shook his head because my dad was a hockey guy and he just went yeah he's not going to do that like that's obviously not going to be his strength so I was never really into it but I have a lot of friends actually one of my good friends Ben O'Connor who made an iconic catch in the 2011 Vanier Cup uh for McMaster he actually uh grew up playing hockey to the point where he was a hockey kid in high school before he ever played football I was a basketball kid before I ever played football but we had mutual friends who played on the football team. And so we kind of fell in love with Canadian football, but we came at it from different angles. And Benny's great kind of strength was that he was this odd combination of big body hockey grinder who had hands because he had played hockey, but he also was a super talented cross country runner in high school who had great endurance. And so they just looked at him and they said, why if you can run and you have hands and you're a big body and you're physical, why don't you just go ahead and play football at receiver? And he did, and he became a really, really good one, and he still plays. Like That's why I bring him up is he's kind of my connection to the senior circuit now because once in a while I'll just I'll talk to him, I'll text him, check in with him, and say, hey, buddy, how's it going? And he'll go, oh, man, he was crazy last week at hockey. I go, oh, my God, you're still doing that? And I feel like that's how we all kind of stay connected is our friends who were involved and we – We reach out and we ask them what's happening in their life, and they're like, oh, yeah, I was at hockey last night. God, man, you're still doing that. You're just grinding away. But I love that people kind of continue to fight the good fight against aging and all the rest and and try to to make it as uh, enjoyable as possible as you can as you age.
1: See? Look, we just talked about senior hockey for like three minutes. Get on the bandwagon. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about football, shall we? Dane Evans re-signing with the Tiger Cats. Was there any chance he was going somewhere else, Marshall, or was this the game plan all along for
3: Dane Evans and Hamilton? I think this was the game plan for Dane. I think this was the game plan for the Ticats, but I also think that they they did their due diligence uh, in being able to at least broach the concept of what it would look like if Dane wasn't in black and gold next year. And I honestly, a lot of people that are Tiger Cats fans will say, oh my, I can't believe they would even think that. That's the right thing to do. Like, that's the responsible thing to do is to... To imagine what your situation would be like if you were under different circumstances, but yeah, this was the plan. I mean, this is—he's five years younger than Jeremiah Masoli. I think his decision making is better. I think his ceiling in terms of production is better over time once he gets an offense that's crafted around him. And I've—I've I've been trying to get to this article for CFL.ca throughout the day today on why Dane kind of is the right fit, but also how this sets the direction and the course of the Ticats going forward. And um, the biggest thing I come back to is. When you go from, yeah, we've got two talented quarterbacks in Masoli and Evans, and we trust both of them, and we'll use both of them, and you don't really allow yourself to carve out an identity on offense because you're just saying, well, we've got good players, and we'll put them out there, and we're going to run a bunch of different stuff, and, hey, we got Nicola Kalanich over here, and, look, we got Tim White over there, and, hey, Speedy B's still running around, and we've got a bunch of different running backs, but Don Jackson's our main guy. Like, it's just it's a variety of stuff, and there's nothing wrong with having variety. But when you say to Dane Evans, hey, here's some money, you're our number one, we're going to move forward with you. Now the coaching staff in the front office get to look at every single decision that they make in terms of roster construction or if it's uh, playbook uh, building and being able to decide who's on the game day roster throughout the season. All of that is based around how do they work with Dane and what will allow us to have the greatest amount of success. Because I think there's a lot of times... I don't think people realize if you're not really in the trenches of preparing for games like I was this year calling games for the CFL and TSN, how awful the Ticats offense was this year. Like, I was getting ready to call a game. I forget that they they must have been week 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there that they had. And I was going through kind of the weekly statistics, and the Ticats rated below the Ottawa Red Blacks, who we all think of Edmonton and Ottawa as being the absolute worst this year they ranked below the Ottawa Red Blacks in like seven or eight different offensive categories at that point in season. And like that, that was mind blowing to me. I was sitting with one of my friends as I was putting together my, my game chart and I, his, his name's Scott. And I just kept going, Scott, Scott, like they averaged less plays on first down Scott. Like I, I didn't realize that they weren't converting on second down as much Scott. And I just kept saying, cause I was just shocked the whole time Scott. I was putting it together. I, I was just mind blown by it. So, I think that was because they had a bit of a lack of identity. But with Dane, they're going to have an identity now. You're going to see an offense crafted around him. And interesting in this article, when I was doing my research, Dane Evans, the way that he targets the field, and you'll appreciate this, Clayton, as a former QB, is that he actually attacks the middle of the field at an unusually high rate. And the reason I find that interesting is the only other quarterback that does that from my studying of tracking every throw in every game in the CFL dating back to 2017 is Bo Levi Mitchell. And that's a big part of the reason why Bo's had success is that he's daring. He's willing to go down the middle of the field and challenge you. You can't just defend the edges and he doesn't have the, the stones to shoot it down the middle of the field and risk interception. Dane might throw the odd interception, but he's going to keep you honest in the middle of the field and he's going to hold your free safety in the middle, which is going to open up things outside. So he compares to me as kind of like a younger Bo Levi Mitchell who's got a really high ceiling. So I think this is a really smart move for them.
1: So the focus now shifts to Jeremiah Masoli. Where does he go? Everyone in their dog is saying Ottawa. I mean, the Red right. Blacks is the right move on paper, but does it really make sense for Jeremiah Masoli long-term to go to a dumpster fire like the Ottawa Red Blacks?
3: The fun thing is that in the CFL, and I'm with you on this, like Ottawa was was really, really bad. But I also believe that they've got a lot of help coming on defense, and I don't know what that's going to look like necessarily in free agency. I know the players want to play for Mike Manavides, but um, I look at it more as if I am somebody who is uh, you know c- coming into the CFL draft, if you look at the draft capital they've spent on defense the last couple of years, whether it's Adam Clara or the Laval, who's a talented, we look like they're going to use him at Will linebacker, but he'll probably transition to free safety once they get Antoine Crono out of there. And then they've got Alonzo Wadaya to West Virginia. If he doesn't make the NFL, I think he's going to be a game-changer as a Canadian defensive back. they got Deshaun Stevens, who's a linebacker defensive end, who is at Maine, who transferred to West Virginia. He's already been drafted by them. And then you see the Scouting Bureau rankings come out today, and number one is Jesse Lucetta out of Penn State. He's an Ottawa native, too. So my mind kind of starts wandering, and I think to myself, yeah, Ottawa was pretty bad, but... Two, three years from now, there's a chance that Ottawa has the best young Canadian core on their defense and lots to build around on offense as well. And I just, I'm not saying that it's a home run, that Ottawa's going to be right back to where they were contending and all the rest in the East, but I also know that Sean Burke knows how to play this game. Like he knows how to build a roster. And not that Marcel Desjardins didn't, but there's just a different tone to this now because with Marcel, it was, well, it's Paul comes in and we're building and we'll see and we're figuring it out on the fly together. Now it's none of that. It's Sean's in charge. Paul is the coach. He'll have his say, but they're going to build something in Sean's vision, and Sean is pretty good at this stuff from his time in Hamilton. I know that pretty well. So uh, I think that Masoli going to Ottawa, I'm not going to say it's a lock. I think it's a very high percentage chance. And the interesting thing that I find in this, Clayton, is that now that the Ticats have gone with Dane Evans, they have no excuse but to, to release Masoli, right? Because he's a pending free agent, but why make him go through the wait and sit around for another month and all the rest just release him. Like, let him go ahead and get the jump start. But he's pretty close with McLeod Bevel-Thompson. Like, they've got a friendship that goes way back. And in the East Division, I really do think it's going to be either McLeod Bevel-Thompson in Ottawa and Masoli in Toronto or vice versa. And so I'm, I'm wondering now, if they release Masoli and give him a chance to go and kind of chase what he wants to chase, do some negotiating and all the rest, how much communication will there be from Macbeth to Masoli on, hey, who are you talking to? Like, using their actual friendship to be able to parse these things out together I think that's intriguing. Like, I think that could be a real game changer for them in the next little while.
1: It didn't seem that long ago that Missoli was like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Then that non contact knee injury happened and it just yeah. seemed like just seemed like things haven't been going his way. But before that I just Missoli looked like an MLP candidate. He was he was lights. Uh we're talking to Marshall Ferguson, Canadian football wizard. Let's talk some riders, shall we? Kyron Moore signing with the uh Riders today. Still waiting on Duke and Shaq Evans, but do you like that signing from Saskatchewan? Was
3: it a bit pricey for you or? Uh, no, I think I think honestly the you know this is always kind of funny a topic that I always broach when I'm talking about the CFL draft and how much teams decide to pay and even in free agency sometimes it comes up which is value versus evaluation right because evaluation is hey how good is that person value is specific to a franchise and that's why when I talk about Dane Evans and I'm not saying he got overpaid but the value of Dane Evans to the Tiger Cats might be bigger than his evaluation might be more meaningful because they need to be able to get continuity back and people that he knows how to work with and hit the ground running. So you couldn't risk losing both those quarterbacks for me, Kyra Moore, his evaluation is, yeah, I mean, Swerve is, he's nasty in the open field. He's a fun route runner. He profiles a little bit like Brandon Banks in the open field with corner routes and vertical shots, things like that. But for me, his, his value to the riders is if we don't get Duke, If we don't keep Shaq Evans, if we have to move the puzzle pieces around, if we have to bring in somebody new, like, oh, I don't know, you get a shot at a Kenny Lawler or a Brian Byrne, like somebody on the top end there, if they're still existing in free agency, which I doubt will happen, but if they are, you at least know that you've got someone who's worked with Cody Fajardo before and has a comfort level because I think people underrate, and maybe not out there in Saskatchewan, but certainly across the CFL landscape, I think we underrate how productive Kyron Moore was throughout the year. When I put together this usage versus production chart that I love to look at in terms of how often are you being targeted and how often are you rewarding your team when you are being targeted, Tyron Moore was as good, if not better, than about 85%, 90% of receivers in the CFL this year. And you think of the elite of the elite across the board. Like I say, it's the Lawlers, the Begletons, the Duke Williams, the Braylon Addison when he's healthy, Brandon Banks. Uh, this year it was Lucky Whitehead jumping into that conversation he's in that He's in that conversation. Like, when he's the number one or the 1A, 1B kind of guy, he's got that potential. So I like that they brought him back. He gives them some continuity. And I also think it gives a comfort level with Fajardo, regardless of what happens with some of those other puzzle pieces.
1: Well, let's go with the Fajardo talk, shall we? The Riders quarterback room. Would you keep it the same? Like, would you bring back Harker and Fine? Or would you try and find a veteran quarterback to, to compliment Cody. Abby and I were talking about this off mic, and it would be tough to find a veteran quarterback to pair with Cody right now. That's not going to like cause too big of a quarterback controversy. You get what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, that's a smart comment because that is, that would be my biggest fear with him. And I don't think that Cody is fragile and I don't think that Cody would be concerned. And I think he would welcome any challenges that he had. But uh, anytime that this comes up, I always go back to 2013 when I was in Calgary with the Calgary Stampeders and uh, I was just, there's the, you know, the university internship quarterback, but I was in the room with uh, Drew Tate, who was in the prime of his career in 2013. Kevin Glenn was brought in and was supposed to be the backup. And there was some kid named Bo Levi Mitchell, who was just like in the weight room by himself wearing a Houston Texans hat and nobody knew who he was or cared. And that year what ended up happening was in the first preseason game drew tate starts it and just plays awful like i don't know what the stats were you guys might be able to look up that extremely obscure statistic from the first preseason game in 2013 against bc but he was i remember him being below 50 percent completion rate right with a couple of interceptions and he went into the locker room at halftime and i'll never forget he didn't take his drew tate didn't take his shoulder pads or his helmet off the entire halftime and drew was a bit of a different cat i think everybody around the cfl knows that but and somebody said, Drew, like, you're you're done for the game. You don't have to wear your stuff anymore. And he said, I haven't earned it. He went out in the second half, kept his helmet and shoulder pads on, and watched Kevin Glenn essentially steal his job. Like from yes. that first preseason game throughout the whole year. And that's that would be my fear with Cody, is if you bring in somebody who, again, I don't think that there's a Kevin Glenn per se that's out there right now, but even a name like a Trevor Harris. Like if Trevor Harris is available, I don't think Cody's scared of him. But I do think the temptation for a Jason Moss who's worked with Trevor Harris before would be far too easy to pull the plug on Cody when he's, you know, two for six in the first quarter of a game where you need it late in the season or on Labor Day or I mean, there's a lot of those type of of emotions that I think with an emotional coaching staff, which at time Moss has clearly been that, he'd be likely to to jump and that that might damage Cody in ways that he can't repair. So I don't think it's about. Protecting Cody, I just think it's about doing the best thing to to provide him the pieces that he needs. And I'm not a huge Harker guy. I think Fine showed out well late in the year against the Tiger Cats on the road. I thought he, he's an interesting prospect going forward. But for me, it would be to find a high level backup. Who knows? He's the backup. Like put all of your confidence and trust in Cody and say, okay, we had our first year where Moss and Fajardo were figuring it out. Now it's go time. Like now it's time to really see what that pairing can create. I think BC
1: has been a very entertaining team this off season. Signing Lucky Whitehead before Burnham, what's Mike Riley gonna do? Like, what? Are, what are your thoughts on BC so far? And is Mike Riley really gonna retire? Like, where do these rumors come from?
3: Uh, I, that's a good question. I, I I don't think that Riley is going to retire yet. I think he's still got lots left in the tank. But I mean, man, if he does, I'm I'm gonna be on the Nathan Rourke uh, bandwagon, just like I'm mm-hmm. like I talked off the top, because it is. He is fun, man. Like he, he doesn't really have enough throws yet to prove who he is, but he is really, really fun moving forward. So BC, to me, the last two years, like the the Riley years of 19 and 21, they've been the most disappointing team in the CFL. And I don't say that just to slander them. I say that because in order to have disappointment, you have to have expectations. And I had expectations for them. Like It wasn't necessarily that they were going to – run away and win the West and blow out the bombers and take control. And Riley was going to be crowned a hero in Vancouver. And I just, I didn't think they were going to be bad. And in 2019, it was the offensive line that was a downfall in 21, the offensive line was better and he threw for a ton of yards and they just couldn't piece it together. Like that was the disappointing part for me. So I don't know if, if Riley goes back there and throws for a billion yards again to burn him and lucky whitehead, they should be able to be in games. But, I mean, <laughs> I remember when this past year I tweeted out that they had three home games in the next four weeks, and they were against Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and Winnipeg, I think it was. And I just thought, man, this is such an incredible stretch for the BC Lions. Like, new ownership, you're playing at home in all these games, you're playing against good, high-caliber teams that are above you in the standings, you're on a roll, you're winning games, you're you're getting all these interceptions off of Bo Levi Mitchell, and then – you, you kind of take a step back at the end of that three game stretch you're like oh they lost all of them and they were all at home and now their fans don't want to come out because they don't think they're any good again. It's like, oh man, they that was the chance. Like that was the shot that they had and they were still in the conversation down the stretch for you know the whole idea of of the crossover and and being alive in the playoffs and all you got to do is get into the dance and that stuff's fun but Riley's too good of a quarterback even at this older more advanced age to be scraping and clawing to try and get to a crossover game. So I hope that defense shows up again. I remember talking to Rick Campbell ahead of week 14 this year. He said he felt like they had invested a lot of time and energy into younger players that were going to pay off for them in the coming years. And I guess that's got to pay off for them this year, just like I talk about Moss and Pajardo.
1: One last question, really quick, before I let you go, Marshall. Uh, you put Waterloo quarterback Trey Ford, number six, on your CFL prospect ranking list. Is the is the Canadian quarterback revolution on? Like you were talking about Nathan Rourke, huge fan of him. You're obviously a huge fan of Trey Ford. Is that Canadian quarterback stigma gone now, or
3: what? I don't think the stigma has gone. I do I do want to see it annually. Like I, I'm kind of hesitant to say, yeah, because. Let's realize this. every single year in the NCAA, there's going to be a prospect who comes out that is the number one guy. And you know why? Because they've got a billion universities. Like They've got so many players at so many places in so many different systems that even if they're not fantastic, you're always going to have someone who is above everybody else. And when you have that many people playing, that's going to be great. Canadian quarterbacks, I, you can count them on your hands. You don't even need your toes. Like, and that's the... the the danger for me is saying Canadian quarterback revolution. Here we go. And then maybe we hit a dry spell of three years. Well, there goes the evolution, right? There goes the conversation. So um, for me, that's, I, I hope Trey Ford is this year's guy. And then I'd love to see who comes out as the next year's guy. And then Nathan works, got a younger brother that's playing pretty well at Ohio. And I hope mm-hmm. that he becomes something special. And Christian for who's down there from CJP and went down to, uh, to play at, at Penn state. Like, I hope that he turns into something and, there are names out there and there are players that are getting it done. It's just, I guess we got to see it consistently before we can really start to set off the fireworks and you and I can celebrate it.
1: Just as long as they don't touch my CGFL record, I am Uh, (laughs) A-OK. Marshall Ferguson joining us on The Cage. Thanks a bunch, buddy. It's always good chatting with you.
3: Thanks, Clayton. Be well.
1: Canadian football wizard Marshall Ferguson joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, any time is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. It's 4.47, coming up at 5.05 on The Cage. We got Saskatchewan Rider offensive lineman Evan Johnson. Before that, though, some Flames talk and some Oilers talk coming up on The Cage.
0: The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM is on the air. Call us with your thoughts. 306 936 6262. Out of town, call toll free 1 866 767 0620. Now back to DT and the panel.
1: Kyron Moore will be back with the Riders next season. Moore signed a one year deal with Saskatchewan earlier today. According to Farhan Lalji, it's for $120,000. The 25 year old had 64 catches for 585 yards with three touchdowns last season in 11 games. More bad news for Edmonton Oilers fans. Goalie Mike Smith is going to be out for at least a week with a thumb injury. Smith just returned from an injury as well for the Oilers, who are now 2-6-2 in their last 10. And it's a busy one in the NHL tonight. 11 games, including Calgary versus Ottawa. Vancouver visits Tampa. Winnipeg's in Detroit and Montreal plays Chicago. That's the sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Uh let's stick with the Oilers and Flames, shall we? Abby, what's your NHL team? I forget. Uh Flames? Oh really? I'm a Flames guy too. So this is going to be great talking about the Oilers struggling for the next 5 minutes <laughs> because I don't know about you, but like as a Flames fan, I get more satisfaction watching the Oilers lose than the Flames win. <laughs> That's sick to say, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I mean, I got, like, you probably have lots of friends that are Oiler fans, and, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, as you know, they were gloating, like, they were pretty yeah. much planning the parade, and uh, right now it's like, um, should we sign a Vander Kane?
1: You know, well, so... Because- Here's the thing. The Calgary Flames are the little brother franchise to the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm saying that as a diehard Flames fan. Like, the Oilers will always be the big, more popular brother, right? They got all the cups. They got the Dynasty, the Gretzky, the Messier, coffee, all that stuff. They got them, right? The Flames, you know, we got Lanny McDonald and his mustache and a cuff, right? Yeah, good for us. I love it. But, I mean, if the Flames are struggling like the Oilers are, we're not talking about them as much, right? No one cares about the Flames nearly as much as the Oilers. And if the Oilers are seriously considering signing Vander Kane, they must be in full-on panic mode. Like, don't listen to Dave Tippett's press conference. Just know that they are in full-on panic mode, right? Well, I don't know about you, but at the beginning
2: of the season, um, I didn't really have much for expectations for the Flames. I wasn't no. sure where it was going to land, right? So um, I knew Sutter's a good coach, and I was like, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see what he does with the guys. And I think the expectations uh, were super high for the Oilers, though, and they came out and and now they're struggling. And for the rest of us, we're like, wow, the Oilers are actually, or the Flames are doing actually better than we thought they
1: were going to do. So uh, we'll take it. I predicted that the Flames would finish last in their division, right here on the cage, before the season even started. I had zero faith in Daryl Sutter. I have a lot of faith in him now. The way he's turned around Johnny Goudreau has been amazing, but I was like you. I had zero faith in the Flames before this season. Zero. But then here comes Markstrom, saving the day for the boys.
2: Yeah, well, he's been playing a lot, so they're going to have to make sure that, although the backup there, uh, Vladar, says he's uh, he's played pretty good for them as well. So that's always a, a good sign so that your starter doesn't have to uh, play like a crazy amount of hockey games and then be tired by the time the playoffs come. But goaltending is obviously the issue in Edmonton. They've been struggling there and secondary scoring, obviously, too.
1: Well, Stuart Skinner just can't get a shot in Edmonton, and I don't know why. Like, everyone's talking about, oh, our goalies suck, our goalies suck. Well, that's because one is super, super old. I know Mike Smith is built like a truck. Like, I know he's in such good shape, but, I mean, he's 39, 40 years old now. Miko Koskinen, eh. I mean, not only does he wear number 19, which is outrageous for a goalie, but he's been struggling as well. He can't play the puck either. Give Stewie a shot. He was, he was real good in swift currents when he was playing for the Broncos there for their run. And he's played okay when he's gotten a shot in the NHL as well. The one thing about young goalies is, ah, they're not ready. Ah, they're not ready. Well, they're never going to be ready if you never just throw them in the fire and get them ready, right? Yeah. What would you think if the Flames signed a Vander Kane? Like, if the Flames signed a Vander Kane and they were kind of going through the same struggles as Edmonton, would you be happy as a fan or would you be bummed?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm not sold on Evander Kane. I mean, I know that he's a skilled player and, and can put up points, but uh, everything that goes along with him, I just wouldn't want to bring that into my culture and into my locker room. I would just steer clear of that. There's got to be another option out there somewhere, but that's my opinion.
1: I'm all for second chances. I'm all for even like third or fourth chances. But when you start going, like when you start counting the chances on the other hand, that's when it starts to become a you issue and not a second or third chance issue because uh, trouble follows this guy. Uh, Sometimes one bad thing happens to someone and it just sticks on their reputation. I don't think that's the case for this guy. Trouble follows this guy around. Remember that one time he rented a helicopter when he was playing in Buffalo so he could go to a Raptors game or something like that? And he was just. I don't know, everyone knows about the money photo as well. This guy has just never been a team guy. He's never been for the team. It just always seems like he's been for him. And I get that you're panicking right now, and I get that Oiler Nation is freaking out, and Mick David's upset, everyone's upset. But is bringing in a guy like Evander Kane really going to help anything? Unless you go on like a 15-game winning streak, does this help anything with the franchise?
2: Well, there's still a lot more hockey than 15 games to be played, yeah. too. Not that that wouldn't help, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, every team has their, their slumps, their ups and their downs, and uh, for the Oilers, they just, uh, you, you got to start with one win. So they got to get that going and then uh, try to build on that.
1: But Evander Kane can play. Like that's the frustrating part. Like at the top of his game, he is a premier, elite winger in the NHL. He's big. He's fast. He can score. He can fight guys. He's kind of like a he's kind of like a, a poor man's version of Jerome McGinley, if you will. I'm not saying he is Jerome McGinley. He's a poor man's version, but. I just can't believe Edmonton's even considering signing this guy. And it sounds like all the rumors on Twitter, and it is Twitter, it's an it's it's a garbage fire. But I mean $1.5 million, that's the number I keep seeing online. And if the Oilers give this guy I mean $1.5 million is nothing in the NHL, but that's just such a panic move. If the Oilers actually go through with this, you got like that's a you gotta full on be admitting if you're the Oilers, we're panicking. Like we're taking on water, we're we're freaking out right now. It just seems like such a panic move to me.
2: Yeah, did you see that other st- one was today? Maybe that the NHL is investigating. There's something about Kane crossing the border back uh, before or after Christmas, something like that. Because he had
1: his he had his fake vaccine thing or whatever, and then they're like, "Wait a minute, if you're not vaccinated, how did you cross the border?" And it was kind of like one of those things where it's like connected the dots afterwards by the sounds of it. And, yeah, it's like this guy just keeps keeps pulling a fast one on NHL GMs NA, or NHL execs, NHL GMs. Again, like, I know that he can play hockey, but at what point do you, just, do you just put the hockey skill aside and say he's just not a good guy, right? And I'm not even talking about the locker room chemistry or bringing in a cancer and messing with the chemistry there. I'm just talking about from a moral standpoint here, like, really – You're going to put everything this guy does aside because he's got a good wrist shot. Like, really? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah,
2: I don't know. I think there's going to be another option out there somewhere that the Oilers are, I'm sure they've been phoning around the league to see who, uh, you know, teams might be willing to part with because, um, we were talking about this on The Cage uh, with DT, I guess it would have been two days ago or yesterday, I can't remember, but uh, we were basically saying that this is pretty much, like, if you're the Oilers and you've had you know McDavid and Drysaddle this long, you you need to kind of go all in here pretty quick.
1: Exactly. Like, the window is closing. And sure, you still have Connor and Leon for a long time, but people demand trades. Superstars get traded all the time now, and... I mean, his body language on the bench, I know this is a typical Flames fan thing to say, but Connor McDavid doesn't look happy on the bench. He looks really upset, and obviously you're going to be upset when you're 2-6-2 in your last 10 and you're not winning hockey games, but he just... (laughs) Doesn't look like he's having a fun time, right? If I was the best hockey player in the world making 11 mil, I'd be having a great time even if I was like 0 and 50. It just (laughs) really seems like he's, it's just battling. And then when they were talking about bringing in Evander Kane, he says, like, I don't care what the media says, they don't know, whatever. It just just seems like everyone in Edmonton is panicking, is freaking out. And, again, same with the Flames, but no one seems to care, hey? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. The Flames
2: just kind (laughs) of truck along doing their thing and, Uh, Look like they're bound to uh, make the playoffs this year unless uh, something totally disastrous happens, but uh, they've been fun to watch. How about Anaheim? Like That's the team that I did not see playing well this year, and they have been really fun to watch.
1: Like, out of nowhere, right? Out of absolutely nowhere. They're young kids, though. Zegris is so good. Um They're just a good team in general. And I think they're going to have a problem of, like, keeping all their stars with the salary cap error and stuff like that, like, when it comes to re-signing everyone. But, yeah, the Ducks, man, and their goalie Gibson's even really, really good. Uh, no, They're kind of like the Flames, too. No one expected anything out of them, and here they are. Here they are. It's, uh, 458, the backup edition of the sports cage. Clayton Croker, Abby White, along with you. Coming up at 505, the opposite of a backup. We've got Evan Johnson from your riders joining us. And, uh, we got Glenn Suter. Again, the other opposite of a backup coming up at 530 with fine tailored suits. Arashma Jan, uh, Janny. Arashma Danny joining us at 605 as well. That's all coming up next on the cage.
0: Proud to be your voice of the Riders, the Pats, the Rams, and all sports in our province. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Here is your host, Derek Taylor.
1: Five oh seven on a Thursday. It's the backup edition of the Sports Cage. Clinton Croker alongside Abby White. Actually, you know what? It's the uh, it's the third stringer edition of the Sports Cage. Actually, never mind. It's the practice roster edition of the sports cage yikes uh every guest that appears on the sports cage appears on the western pizza hotline dinner time and game time anytime is a great time to order western pizza ask your local western pizza location about their specials we've got kind of a big deal on the show joining us right now saskatchewan rough rider offensive lineman evan johnson how's it going bud i'm doing well how are you doing I'm doing really good, bud. Uh, We'll talk about the Kyron Moore signing and and your contract right after the big news of the day. Um, Sask Senior Hockey Provincials. I know you're a Saskatchewan guy. Big D Division quarterfinal matchup. Central Butte versus Foam Lake. Who you got?
4: Oh, gosh. I haven't been following that closely at all. Uh, Let's go for Foam Lake.
1: You're going Foam Lake, hey, even with all that knowledge going into the answer. Wow, I don't know. Central Butte <laughs> had a heck of a season this year, buddy. Central Butte's looking good. Oh, just making blind picks and
4: sticking with them. That's how I roll.
1: That's what we're doing <laughs> all day on the cage. Okay, Moosemir or Winyard? who you got in that one?
4: Oh, let's go Winyard.
1: Oh, really? Okay, Marshall Ferguson took Musiman, so we got a little bit of a rivalry going here. Nice, nice. Um, what have you been doing to keep busy in the offseason? Are you a big ice fisherman? Do you go skidooing? What's your game plan in the winter?
4: Uh, yeah, it's been a different winter for me here so far. Uh, we've got the new, new addition to the family here at home, so this is kind of our first uh, Christmas, first winter uh, as new parents. So that's been lots of excitement
1: and lots of fun. My uh, wife and exactly I are expecting like
4: to it. the uh out and play a little bit of pond hockey when I can.
1: Nice. My wife and I are expecting in four and a half months. Do you have any tips for me, like right off the bat? Oh, man, just <laughs> get ready. <laughs> thanks for, for those nervous win. laughs. Yeah, thanks for that. Whenever <S laughs> someone does one of those, ho, 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 you know you're in a lot of trouble. So uh, how much sleep do you get on average a night?
4: Uh, we're starting to get better. He's starting to sleep in, you know, three-hour chunks here. So, life's life's getting improved.
1: Are you thinking of, like, the season already and how it's going to be crazy busy being a parent and a football player?
4: Uh, yeah. I mean, we we dealt with it a little bit through the last year or through the last season here. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's busy. You get used to it, uh... My wife, Dallas, was taking care of our son, Maverick, uh, up in Saskatoon for the most part. Um, Just had a lot of family support up there. So um, it was was split time as a parent, I guess, throughout the season.
1: Nice. You're a Regina guy. Uh, Wife's in Saskatoon. You obviously played here at the U of S Huskies. Uh, Do you go back and forth between Saskatoon and Regina a lot?
4: Uh, Yeah, during the off-season, Saskatoon's my home. And then uh, during the season, of course, I'm in Regina Plain and uh, that type of deal.
1: We're living in the same city. You never call me to hang out. What's going on, man? I thought we were friends. What was that? (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, Why don't you mosey on down to East College Park? We'll have a time and a half. Hey, let's do it. (laughs) don't even know each other we're already best friends evan johnson saskatchewan rough rider offensive lineman uh kyron moore big signing today for the riders uh how excited are you to have him back in the in the locker room
4: oh very excited uh he obviously brings a lot of talent to the team and he's just a good guy in the locker room too Lots, you know able to have a really good time with him around so he's he's the core guy for the riders for sure
1: you seem like the good guy in the locker room too you seem like the guy that everyone wants to be around is that your mo in the locker room like are you the easy going fun goofy guy or what's your what's your kind of role in the locker room yeah I, i'd
4: say i'm pretty easygoing. going i like to get along with with everyone as best as i can and uh i mean especially on the offensive line group we've had a lot of fun over the past year uh, Dan Clark, Furland, all the Saskatchewan boys, and Lauderdale and Jefferson there too. So, yeah, we, we just have a lot of fun in our room and try to keep things lights while getting the job done type deal.
1: Well, at one point during the season, like four out of the five starting O linemen were from Saskatchewan, or was there even one point where all five starting O linemen were from Saskatchewan?
4: No, there was never all five. But, it was uh, four or, out of five, right? Quite a lot of the season it was. Horrible, yeah.
1: how cool was that to be a part of i mean you're a part of the saskatchewan o-line on the saskatchewan rough riders the, no one can ever take that away from you how cool is that
4: oh it's it's been an absolute honor the whole way through it's been a blast uh playing professional football is one of the coolest experiences and you throw in playing at home on top of that for the hometown team that you grew up watching i mean it, it really doesn't get much better than that
1: Does Boyko think he's better than the other Sasky boys because he played Div 1 football or what? (laughs) He he doesn't rub that in too much. (laughs) Really? I I played against him in high school, hey? Okay, yep. So he he broke his thumb his final year. He played D-end, and he was the same size as he is now. He was still like 6'7", or whatever he is, or whatever. He broke his thumb, and he had a club. And I swear, you can ask him, he didn't break his thumb. I swear he just had this thing as a weapon, because you're allowed to have it on the field. He would just smoke O O'Lyman, like big tackles in the neck, and they would just drop, and he would just go and sack the quarterback. Like, best Saskatoon minor football player, I think, ever. Ask, ask for some stories one day.
4: I, I sure will, yeah. That club is a deadly weapon out there, for sure.
1: So, like, do you guys, do you Saskatoon Regina guys, do you guys have a little rivalry when the Huskies and Rams play each other?
4: Uh, yeah, like, during the season, we make bets on the games, you know, who's going to win versus the Rams and the Huskies players, and any Dinos players that are on the team. Just uh, ignore so them, just, just ignore them. And uh, Dupuis this year for that uh, UTech Bowl final.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So, like, just talk about that Rams-Huskies rivalry. What is it like being, like, from Regina, but playing for the Huskies and then taking on some guys that you played growing up? Like, was that kind of weird being on the enemy when you're growing up cheering for the Rams?
4: (laughs) I tell you what, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed playing against uh, the Regina Rams and uh, taking it to them every week. It, it It was some really good memories from there.
1: Wow, you're starting some fighting words here, buddy, okay? I mean, I, I'm a Husky guy. I'm from Saskatoon. I'm loving this as well, but we got to worry about the listeners here, okay? Evan Johnson from your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, Taryn Vaughn re-signing earlier this week as well. Just how good can this guy be when he's healthy?
4: You, you know, I just had the pleasure of playing with him throughout camp for a little bit before he unfortunately hurt his shoulder again this year um so you know i've 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 heard great things but unfortunately i haven't been able to play in a game with him so i'm looking forward to him being healthy and back next year and he's he's a smart player and very capable so looking forward to him being healthy
1: let's get back to some parenting talk um any tv shows that the kid is liking yet or are you are you not at that phase yet
4: well, you know, we've, we found some uh, old archives of Barney that we've been pulling out and playing on the VCR. So Yikes. he's been enjoying
1: those. So, like, that's the one thing, even as an uncle, I was battling with watching the same shows over and over again. Like, if I hear the Paw Patrol theme song one more time, I'm going to snap. Like, I- I'm just going to lose it, right? How do you deal with that, watching these children's shows over and over again? Is there a secret? Because I feel like I'm going to battle with that.
4: I I tell you what the secret is uh, the streaming sites Disney Plus is awesome Netflix is awesome you get you know you kind of run into the same shows a little bit but you're able to cycle through them a little bit and keep them fresh for yourself as well.
1: My one friend's parenting strategy is they'll like what you like no matter what you put on the TV if you're acting excited they'll be excited so like if you if you want your kid to just watch hockey and football nonstop just act excited and watch. Please tell my friend he's an idiot. That doesn't work, right? <laughs> Matt, I, I sure hope that's how it works. <laughs> I hope so, too. man. I'm, again, four and a half months away, I'm getting, I'm, I'm so excited, obviously, but like, I'm also so scared. But then everyone also says, you shouldn't be scared, it's fine. Like, what is it like that first month? I'm being really selfish with my questions right now and just asking them for me, by the way, but.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all good. It's. It's exciting. It's definitely something that I'm really happy I was able to be a part of. With you know the birth and the delivery, being able to take him home. Um, yeah, it's it's a little chaotic. I mean, your world changes a lot and very quickly once they're born. And I mean, they're they're priority number one. You know, you're number two, and you know, sleep comes second sort of thing. So you just gotta make sure that they're happy and do the best that you can in order to take care of them. Uh, you know, whatever that looks like at the time. So um a a lot of adjustments and yeah be open to (laughs) helping with your wife there and uh whatever she needs keep her happy too i'd say baby's number one wife is number two and and then yourself comes.
1: <laughs> and then you come number five. A bunch of other things are at three and four. You're, you're coming down at number five. I like it. Evan That's Johnson. Right, dog, from <laughs>
4: housework, and then, yeah. Exactly.
1: Well, you can't forget about the dog. I'm forgetting about my dog, too. Oh, boy. Evan Johnson uh, from your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, thanks so much for joining me. Good luck this upcoming season. And, again, next time you're in Saskatoon, man, East College Park, we'll have a fun time. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the pity laughs, man. Pity laughs still count as real laughs. Uh, Evan Johnson appearing on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline, dinnertime, game time. Anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. That segment was for Nick's service. In Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer, call 781-1077. Lots coming up on the cage, including Glenn Suter at 530.
0: Live from the Sports Cage. It's Derek Taylor and the panel. To have your say, call 306 936 6262. Out of town, call toll free 1 866 767 0620. The Source 620 CKRM.
1: 519 on a Thursday. The text line here at the Sports Cage 306-936-6262. It's brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation, the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. Getting a lot of texts about Kyron Moore today. A lot of people very excited about Kyron Moore. If you missed it, he uh, re-signed with the riders earlier this morning. One-year deal worth $120,000. Just need Duke Williams. Just need Shaq Evans, and that trio is back. Uh, Again, just nothing but text pumped for Kyron Moore. I thought it was kind of like it was going to be Kyron Moore or Shaq Evans. The writers would kind of have to pick. But now that I'm looking at the roster, it looks like they can have all three. Duke Williams, Kyron Moore, and Shaq Evans. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, Abby.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, let's uh, let's be clear here that this uh, this report on Kyron is from Farhan loji We haven't seen an uh, official release from the riders as of yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I anticipate we'll probably see one here shortly. So
1: that's the thing, Farhan loji he's, he's pretty pretty respectable, right? Oh, pretty
2: connected. Yeah, most of these guys that come on the show uh, and uh, lay some stuff down that we hadn't heard yet, it uh, usually comes true within 24 hours or so. <laughs>
1: So who do you think is going to have the uh, bigger 2022, assuming that Shaq Evans gets signed as well? Let's just assume that Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore both playing for the Riders next year. Who do you think has the better season, Abby?
2: Well, I mean, I hope it's Shaq. I mean, Shaq is, uh, you know, he's proved that he can be an elite player for sure. Just uh, that injuries never seemed to really have that mojo back. And I don't know if he was just nervous or what it was, but uh, you know, he's working hard here in the off season and uh, you know, if the Riders sign him and he uh, ends up back on the roster because he did have that click with Cody. So I think, I think Mm -hmm. that magic can still be there, but uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, Hopefully him or, like I said, Duke or whoever it may be, but uh, Kyron Moore is a good start. Swerve is super fast and fun to watch, you know, and I don't know if you've ever seen Kyron in public or not, but when, you know, you get him standing beside some of the other riders, I mean, he's 5'10", so he's pretty short compared to most of the other guys.
1: I know, but like he's still jacked, right? So you still look at him, and he's still thick. That's, a, some, that's something about these football players, like the shorter football players. Sure, they might look small when they're standing on the bench next to their teammates and stuff, but you see them on the street, and you're like, yeah, okay, uh, this guy does not skip leg day. Um I'm pumped about the Kyron Moore deal. I kind of wish it was for more years though, because I'm getting sick and tired of these one year deals, Abby. I want guys to stay on the same team in the CFL for five, six, seven, eight years. I hate this new CFL where guys are with one team one year, another team the next year. I like how Ed Ganey's done it. Ed Ganey has been with the Riders for a long, long time. I kind of want Kyron Moore and Shaq Evans. I like this core group from the Riders. I hope they don't, uh, hope they don't disperse. I hope they stay here.
2: Well, um, <laughs> that's not up to you and I.
1: <laughs> I know. Obviously,
2: Oday and the brass—it's uh, their decisions, uh, you know, to make. And uh, there's obviously a reason why they decided to go with uh, one-year extension. Whether uh, it's their choice, or maybe it could be Kyron's agent—that that's all he wants. And well, uh, maybe when like- the season's done, that he you know can maybe get himself more money. It's hard to say.
1: Do you like this core that the Riders have? Like well, I know that some people are thinking, okay, we need better guys. We lost again this year. We didn't go to the Grey Cup. But it's because we got to play Winnipeg. Winnipeg, no one was beating them the past two seasons. I think that this core is great for the Riders. It's just that Winnipeg made it look so bad because their core is so, so good. I have a lot of faith in this core. And especially because Winnipeg, they can't keep this up either. I think that the Riders, they shouldn't blow it up. They should definitely keep the guys they have.
2: Oh, there's some great players. I mean, for Cody, he's got to be excited about the, the options that he has, right? I mean, obviously losing Lennius uh, because uh, going to the, uh, the NFL, uh, you know, hurts us. Having a Canadian guy who had, you know, an absolute breakout season. Mm-hmm. But uh, between the weapons, you know, if they all come back and you think about it, you have Kyron and you have Shaq and you have Duke and you have, you know, shake, shake and bake there. I mean, there is a lot of guys. Somebody's going to be open at some point.
1: It sucks that Braden Lennius is gone, especially because he's a Canadian, but Connie on the text brings up a good point. Shout-out to Connie, 306-936-6262. Uh, Terrell Janna is another rider Canadian receiver that people forget about. Everyone always talks about Justin McKinnis. Terrell Janna was a pretty high pick, and he's under contract as well. Connie, thanks for that one. Mickey on the text, he was a big Paxton Lynch guy. We were talking about Paxton Lynch earlier. He still thinks Paxton Lynch would have beat out Cody Fajardo if given the opportunity. This is what I was talking about with Marshall Ferguson, how there are some people out there now who have kind of maybe not lost faith in Cody, but definitely don't have like a a honeymoon love affair with him like like everyone did in 2019.
2: Well, I want to talk about Lennius quickly. I mean, he did the work to get to where he's at mm-hmm. right like he was on the roster and uh you know didn't see a whole lot of uh reps uh earlier in his career and then he worked on it went to camp and just blew everybody away at the progress that he had made and then had an outstanding season for the riders so he earned um this nfl contract he's got with the atlanta falcons so other canadian uh, receivers it's going to be somebody's chance to maybe step up and uh, maybe it, you know it's one of these guys here it depends on how much work they put in and uh, what kind of camp they have.
1: TC on the text line, he was talking about his JTO Sullivan jersey, and he actually sent me a picture. He has a JTO Sullivan Saskatchewan Rough Rider jersey. That might be the only JTO Sullivan Rider jersey in the history of jerseys. Is it signed? Uh, no, surprisingly not. And it's like legit, like stitched on and everything. JTO Sullivan who buys that jersey TC you are a dedicated fan good sir uh let us know about the Kyron Moore signing on the text 3069366262 your favorite rider backup in the history of backups as well cuz it is the backup Sports cage. We're talking about backups today. Uh, Lots more to come on the show. Rash Madani is coming up at 6 o'clock for the Madani reports. But coming up at the bottom of the hour, Fine Tailored Suits, Glenn Suter, coming up next on The Cage.
0: Back to The Cage with DT and the panel, 620 CKRM.
1: 527, we're back on The Cage, just reading some press releases from the WHL. They have announced that... uh, Five clubs have returned to regular team activities. There have been 16 changes to uh, regular season games. I'm just looking for the Regina Pats changes here. Regina at Winnipeg, the game that was originally scheduled for this upcoming Saturday has been rescheduled to Tuesday, February 15th. Uh, The Pats taking on Swift Current. That was originally scheduled for uh, December 31st. That one's been rescheduled to March 7th. So Pats hockey being rescheduled, that's uh, that's always good news. Even more good news. Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Fine tailored suits brought to you by Quality Tire with ten locations across Saskatchewan. Quality dot CA. Suits, lots of rider stuff to get to. But first, the biggest sports news of the day. Saskatchewan Senior Hockey provincials. Big quarterfinal matchup in the D division. Central Butte versus Foam Lake. Who do you got?
5: I'm going. I'm going Central Butte.
1: Why is that? I mean, Foam Lake's been—they've been pretty good the past couple of years. Yeah,
5: I, yeah. I, well, that—that that could be true. I, I am speaking from uh, zero uh, <laughs> knowledge on this topic uh, and on these two teams, so I'm just going to pick one and take them and ride with them. Be confident, like like you've heard many times. Sometimes it's better to just believe in the club you pick from the bag, and not it—not necess- It's more important to believe it than it is to be right
1: sometimes when you now pull every- that club out of the bag. Now everyone in Foam Lake is gonna hate us suits. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> um how's things been going though, man? I mean crazy CFL offseason so far. How busy have you been with all these stories?
5: Well I'm I'm always sort of buried in it. So I'm you know, I'm putting together my, my twenty player per team uh list where I work on their bios and backgrounds and and just their stories, so that's team to team across the league in the off season to prepare for a season that's months away. Yet we got free agency around the corner here in a couple of weeks, which should be a very interesting couple of days. And and leading up to that, lots of signings like Kyron Moore and uh, you know players like that that are being signed, and then some that aren't, like Jeremiah Masoli. Now, what happens with him after Dane Evans signs and? Zach Kolaris has still not signed a contract. That's interesting. That's
1: the yeah. That's the big shocker to me. I thought Winnipeg would get that done right away, but they seem to be kind of dancing around it. Do you know why, or? Well, I, I think
5: you know they're they're working out the number. I you know I'm sure, and I I can I think I can speak very confidently here about uh, just because he hasn't said it recently, but. Based on my talks with Zach for, you know, the back half of the season, the final two months of the season via Zoom, I, I can speak confidently and, and say that he, you know, he wants back in Winnipeg. He, he absolutely wants to play for Michael O'Shea. He wants back in Winnipeg. I know that. So... Now it's just a matter of working out the contract because at the end of the day, he'd still want to be treated fairly and be, you know, when you look at the quarterbacks in the league and where they're at. And I know there's been an adjustment there, you know, and some guys like Levi Mitchell have had to adjust their deals and, and look at different amounts, different totals, things like that, different incentives. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he's sort of looking at that happening and then saying, well, where do I fit in in this grand scheme and wants to be treated fairly. So that's interesting, though, because the closer we get the free agency and him not being signed, now, now it, it, it's quite interesting because, of course, he goes. he's a Toronto guy. Toronto could look, be looking for a quarterback. In fact, in fact, they may be in the Jeremiah Masoli sweepstakes with Ottawa. Why wouldn't they be? And uh, you know, he, he could he could technically look at free agency and say, let's just see what kind of money would be available.
1: What about this Kyron Moore signing? Because Kyron Moore re-signs one-year deal, $120,000. That's according to Farhan Lalji, by the way. Um, we still think that the Riders are in on Duke Williams and Shaq Evans. Both of those guys are probably going to get paid pretty handsomely as well. Are you worried about the amount of money going to three receivers, or do you need those three guys in your lineup?
5: No, you, you've you got to load up this year if you're Saskatchewan. I, you know, And if you're going to... If you're ever in a year going to push the cap and push the restrictions and maybe even pay a little bit of a fine uh for going over, this is the year to do it. I mean, you've got the game and the countdown is on. I mean, the countdown is on. We're we're playing the Grey Cup in Regina this year. So you you get those playmakers back as many as you possibly can and and continue to add. You know, don't just be satisfied with re-signing Duke, Shaq, and now, and now Kyron Moore today, like, look at the free agent smart market. You know, can Kenny Lawler get there? If he gets there, I'm, I'm kicking the tires there, too. I mean, just look at what the budget will bear and try and, and load up. Absolutely.
1: So would you say just pay five receivers hundred and twenty grand and just let it fly? 90% pass, 10% <laughs> run. That's what you're saying here, Suits.
5: Well, it depends. I mean, you, get, you know, you want to pay Micah Johnson some money because you'd like to get him back. You know, I think you want to continue to make sure you strengthen your defensive front seven. Uh, if if uh, a real good offensive lineman hits the free agent market, you, I think you got to take a look at that, too. So, there, you know, there's, uh, there's a balancing act to be had here, obviously, and, and every team's got to deal with that in their own budgets and, and take a look at – you know, where are they going to be able to push the envelope? Where are they not going to be able to? What does their Canadian talent look like? It's, it's, it's much more complicated. In fact, free agency and signing in the off seasons and the draft and all of these things are probably more difficult in the CFL than the NFL or any other league in sports because of all the different sort of rules with the ratio and, and the Canadian draft versus free agency and the neglists in the U.S. and things like that, that you have to balance out.
1: Let's take a look at the running back position, shall we? Because you got William Powell, who I have called like the Frank Gore of the CFL. It doesn't really matter his age, he's going to get the job done. But you also got a Canadian back, Keenan LaFrance, backing him up. And having a Canadian running back can just make a huge difference when it comes to the ratio. Do you think Saskatchewan maybe looks at that? Maybe stealing the bomber blueprint and, and using a Canadian running back? Uh you could. I
5: mean you can, and it's it's never wrong to have a couple on your roster, especially if they're good on the teams and you know, if Keenan LaFrance and you know, a guy, let's say they, they look at the draft and they and they look at a Canadian running back and say, you know, we could get a backup for Keenan LaFrance. That doesn't necessarily mean he starts on offense or either guy starts on offense. But if both can cover kicks and play on kick return and things like that and really contribute there, and then you have the option if you, you know, say, want to go with five import receivers or maybe you want to add a, an import on the O-line, uh, then you can you can make the change for a game or two, see if it works, if that combination. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Jamal Morrow has signed a, an extension as well. So... Uh, I think I read that, although this time of year, <laughs> with with one-year contract in the CFL, which I hate, everybody hates, I'm not sure even the players like it, to be honest with you, um, it's, it's a times uh, challenge to keep track. <laughs> You're on Twitter all day.
1: Suit circle gets the square. Jamal Morrow signed a contract yesterday. Bud, you got it. Don't second you guess go. yourself, man. You're golden. You're golden. <laughs> I, You're like, I wasn't see- sure. I couldn't remember if I read
5: that or if I read that he's about to sign or or whatever. But I mean, there's a you know, there's a guy who on the teams and the on the kick return team. I mean, he looked great. I, I thought it would be nice to see him. And I'm not cutting William Powell. I'm trying to get William Powell back because I, I agree with your assessment on Powell. I think. You know he's he's 33, probably 34 by next year. As far I'm not sure when his birthday is and when they, when he turns, but uh, so he's getting up there as far as running backs are concerned. But still, if if the price is right, a tremendous veteran asset. But you you mix him in with Jamal Morrow and see that upside. You know, a couple of big returns in the playoffs, some big returns early in the season when he was healthy. He's got young. You know, young legs that he can he can pick them up and put them down. So I, I I think there's a bright future for him in the lineup.
1: Fine Tailored Suits, Glenn Suter, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. What about the Riders' quarterback room? Do you think they should bring back Harker and Fine, or should they explore other options? Myself and Abby were talking about it. Like, it would be nice to get a veteran backup for Cody, but I don't think there's a veteran out there that wouldn't cause a quarterback controversy, right? You don't want to bring in a guy and cause a big kerfuffle, hey?
5: No, you don't. And that's that's why, and I'll I'll stay in my lane. I'll just add this quickly, and then I'll stay in my lane. But that's why I'm not signing a Evander Kane. Absolutely not. No. No. For that reason alone. Anyway, I'll stay in my lane and stay away from hockey. But, uh, you know, if if I'm... Looking at the rider situation, um, yes, I am looking at the market for sure, and and I'm seeing if even a Trevor Harris would be a a situation that could work. You know, what's his mindset, and could he could he work as an alternative to Cody Fajardo? I thought it was interesting listening. I've I've been listening online all day, and I think Mason Fine has shown some some upside i I think he's shown that as sort of that young guy your your developmental quarterback i think he has probably maybe gone past isaac harker um and then i i was listening to the debate on paxton lynch paxton lynch didn't make the team okay and i and i know that there was you know his vaccination status and things but he, he didn't make the team you know, I, I just I, I love it when people just because he was a first round pick or because he came from the NFL, he's automatically better and should be starting. He didn't make it. He wasn't good enough. He was beaten out by three or four different quarterbacks. End of end of sentence.
1: So Mickey that's that's the, the reality. Mickey on the text line is just crying right now, Suits. So he just broke he broke he broke his dreams, man. He he didn't make it.
5: I, hey, if he was good enough, he would have beat out Cody Fajardo. He wasn't. End of story. So it doesn't matter if he came from the NFL. There are fifteen thousand graduating seniors coming out of the NCAA every year. They're all great, but they oh. got to make that. They got to make that transition now to pro football, which is played ninety percent from the shoulders up. Because they're all good athletes, and they can all throw the ball through a brick wall. But what's the difference, and what separates them, and how do they take the next step at the pro level? Can they do that? You know you know how many people said that Johnny Menzel was going to be the best quarterback to ever play in the Canadian Football League in its history? Tons. And some guys that should know better, like June Jones. But he didn't do it. He didn't make it. He got cut. He didn't make the team because he wasn't good enough. <laughs>
1: I love it when he I get fired up, suits. I love it when he get fired up. And by the way, I wouldn't sign Vander Kane either, but that's because I'm a huge Flames fan, and I just know he would wreck the Oilers. So that's why I want him to sign with the Oilers, actually, deep down inside. Um, before we take a little break here, uh, Marshall Ferguson. He had Waterloo quarterback Trey Ford, number six. On his CFL draft prospect list, do you agree with having a quarterback that high? Like, is the Canadian quarterback stigma is it gone so much now that we can have a guy at number six on the draft rankings?
5: I don't think it's gone at all. I I, I think it's still there, and I and I also don't think that it it should be mandated that you have a Canadian quarterback on your roster. I I do think that if you have one that. Is making your lineup, and you can, and you're going to start one, like like Nathan Rourke. Then you you have a guy that's starting. Then he should count in your ratio for sure, and not be sort of in an in its own category. And and that's kind of where we are now. I, I'd much rather you know have that count as a Canadian. I mean that just makes no sense to me, but. I don't know that the stigma's gone yet. Uh, you know, I, I still think with uh, a lot of American coaches, which is why I would push for a Canadian ratio in the coaching ranks. If I were in charge, I just, I just would, and and give can, more Canadian coaches who have grown up with three down football uh, more opportunities at the pro level because they're as good as as many and all almost all of the American coaches that come up here i guarantee you they're just as good so you know i i i don't think that stigma is gone with american coaches um looking at americans and i, I don't say it for the opportunity really it's more of the uh, the opportunity to sign a guy like we've got michael connor and some guys that are involved now that are that are really interesting prospects that i think have tremendous upsides including rourke but um it's it's how patient you know how patient a coach will be with an American quarterback that played at Alabama or University of Washington, and he'll let him go a half a season before he goes. You know what? He's not good enough. How many how many guys? And you guys talked about backups. How many how many guys from the U.S. have come up and played quarterback in the CFL and been and couldn't do it? And there there was a couple. In fact, there was Pro Bowlers like Vince Ferragamo that couldn't do it. And, and they couldn't learn the game, and they, couldn't, they didn't invest themselves enough to learn the game. And so I've seen coaches for years give those guys tons of, you know, room to grow and to learn and give them half a season. And then they give them two more years, and they say, well, let's just hang in there with this guy. And I'm not sure that happens with Canadians. And and that's where I think that stigma st- is still is still there. So if if the kid can play, then I'm not surprised he's a high draft prospect.
1: You got me thinking with the Canadian coach ratio. That's a great idea, suits. i never thought of that before. There should be a Canadian coach ratio.
5: I I think so. I, you know, I, it doesn't have to be half. It doesn't have to be anything like that. It could no. be two. It could be two guys that have to be Canadian. And you and you. You know, you, you look at, uh, you know, that development through U sports and junior football and give some young Canadian coaches an opportunity. Uh, I just, I think that should be something that's looked at.
1: You want to talk more about backups and Jeremiah Misoli and Dane Evans after the break, bud? Let's do it. Awesome. Fine Tailored Suits continues next on The Cage.
0: You can follow us if you want. We're actually quite social. On Twitter, search at SportsCage. 620 CKRM.
1: Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Kyron Moore will be back with the Riders next season. Moore signed a one-year deal with Saskatchewan earlier today, according to Farhan Lalji. Uh, the 25-year-old had 64 catches for 585 yards with three touchdowns last season. Bad news for Oilers fans, goalie Mike Smith going to be out for at least a week with a thumb injury. Smith just returned from injury as well for the Oilers, who are... 2-6-2 and two in their last 10 games. And some curling news. John Morris and Rachel Holman will be representing Canada at the Mixed Doubles Curling event in Beijing. Some news about Chelsea Carey as well. Abby, is that correct? She's uh, going to be an alternate for the Scotties?
2: Yeah, I just saw a uh, press release from Curling Canada that uh, looks like she is wildcard team number two for the Scotties. So that means we got two teams from Saskatchewan.
1: Beauty Sports Ticker, again, for Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Fine Tailored Suits, Glenn Suter, back on the Western Pizza Hotline with us. Suits, were you ever a backup in your football career?
5: Uh, well, I was a backup. I was a third-string quarterback. <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> it's when? we when? We need to hear this story. When? When?
5: Well, first of all, I, I was a quarterback in high school, and uh, in high school in North Van, in fact, the same, the same uh, high school that Braden Lenius went to for a year, at Carson Graham in North Vancouver, mm-hmm. and we ran the run and shoot, and so I went down and actually worked as a kid with June Jones, if you can believe that, at a, at a Portland, Oregon quarterback camp uh, in my junior year going into my senior year in high school. So I had that background going into college at SFU, but wanted to change it, you know, change positions because of that quarterback stigma that we just talked about. I mean, I, I had the dream as a young kid to want to take a shot at pro football. I love the game that much. I I just wanted to do everything in my power to try and give myself an opportunity to do that. So I was taking those steps. And when I went from high school to college, I thought I'm not going to make it as a quarterback because Canadian quarterbacks just don't happen. So, I'm gonna switch positions. I played corner at SFU and so I didn't back up there, but I was sort of always a emergency quarterback from college through my first four, five, six years in Saskatchewan and actually had to run I think two plays. (laughs) We I'd always have two plays that one was a running play and one was a very simple all curl pass pass play. And that was it. So that's where my sort of backup days come from. It wasn't my primary position, but I was a backup in other spots.
1: Were you ever excited at a chance to go in, or were you like pooping your pants at the thought of having to go in and play quarterback?
5: There is no way I wanted to go in to play quarterback. Come on.
1: <laughs> come on, that's the dream, man.
5: <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I'm kidding. I... You know, when you're in the game, when you're in the middle of it, you want to be on the field every play. So, I, you know, I honestly didn't ever want to be taken off the field. In fact, I had arguments with coaches, including when Richie Hall was, was our DB coach, and I had played with Hall, so he was a former teammate now coaching me. And he wanted to take me off special teams. He said, you know, you're getting up there in age, and we want to take you off some teams. And I had a huge argument with him because I didn't want to come off the field. I didn't want to come off any special team. I was playing on all of them. And I didn't I didn't want to. I was uh we had fake field goals in from the holder spot. I, you know, I was that emergency quarterback at times and I thought if you want to put me on the field, I'll do my best. I, you know, like I'll I'll give you everything I got. I'm not sure I'm going to put together a 12 play you know 80 yard drive <laughs> i mean you got to be realistic in your expectations i think
1: <laughs> a 21 dive after 21 dive after 21 yeah. dive 21 dive over and over again um bc high school football they play american rules was it like that when you were there
5: yeah yeah and i again why is that's, it like that? that why well i think a leadership here has sort of push that. I, I think for the wrong reasons, this is just my theory, but I, I think the reasons that they have, have pushed that here when, you know, you look at guys that are in charge of football BC and stuff like that, that the, one of the reasons is that they they are, are looking for that kid who goes down a University of Washington or University of Oregon and plays his college ball down south and, you know, I think there's always sort of this um, you know, this, this awarding the, the amateur ranks that he that the kid came from when that happened, so they want to stay in American football. Uh, but I, I would love to see the entire country change rules and to have three-down football from B.C. all the way across to the Maritimes because there's a couple of regions in Toronto that play four-downs. I, I never played a snap of three-down football until I got to Saskatchewan. Wow. Because – because at SFU, we, we were playing in the Evergreen Conference down mm-hmm. south in, in Washington and playing Cal, Cal Poly and and Montana State and, and some of those schools, Idaho. And so, you know, I, I'd love to see that change, too. Because, again, back to our quarterback discussion, as soon as every kid in Canada is playing football, not only at younger ages in the flag and touch programs that we have more and more of now, but all through high school, you know, the the city leagues, all of that, if we're all playing three-down football, we're going to have more Canadian quarterbacks come out and because they're going to have to learn how to throw. I mean, the the rules demand it, that you learn how to throw when you're 9 or 10 years old. If you're playing American rules, and I played high school football, we ran the run and shoot, so we did throw it. But we were an outlier. We were the only team doing it in all of B.C., in high school football at that time, and everyone else was kind of handing the ball off for three downs a, a, a shot. So, you know, I I'd love to see that change.
1: I played three years of junior ball in BC, and I think you hit the nail on the head there, where BC football focuses more on the individual more than the team. Like, on the prairies, especially in Saskatchewan, it's all about the team, right? And it just seemed the vibe in BC, it's all about your one good player, or your two good players. It's, it's weird football in BC, that's for sure. Um, let's talk some actual CFL, shall we? Man, we got sidetracked there. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, Dane Evans, re-signing yep. in Hamilton. Did the Tie Cats do the right thing picking Evans over Masoli? Well, I I don't think there was
5: a wrong decision here. So, you know, if they if they go with Masoli, they've got a great quarterback who was so close to stealing that championship in this four, in this past Great Cup. So, you know, he he put that drive together at the end. That shows you his poise. He's he's a great leader. So, I, I don't think there would have been a bad decision here, but you know, when you look at Dane, probably more of a pure passer. Um, as far as accuracy goes, you probably give a slight advantage to Dane. Uh, you know, you, you take away sort of the mobility that Mazzoli has had, although his injury has sort of slowed him down there a little bit. Um, but he's, tw- I think it's five years. He's five years younger than Mazzoli. And, and that to me probably weighed very heavy in this decision.
1: So Masoli now, everyone is just assuming he is going to Ottawa. Give us a spicy take or a spicy prediction. If he doesn't go to Ottawa, where is he going to end up?
5: Toronto. You Ooh, know, I, I, okay. I, Tor- Toronto was Toronto was very interested in Masoli uh, when the last time that he was available or possibly available, and then the re resigned him, but. Yeah, I I could see them. I mean, I I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson is still on the free agent list. I haven't seen him re-sign. And I I am not sold on McLeod Mm Bethel-Thompson. I think there's something about the fact that if you look at his resume, he has been on so many teams in so many leagues. Why has he never been able to just take a team and be their guy? He, he just hasn't been able to do it. He's he's good enough to get you really excited that this might be the year, and then somehow it just kind of peters away and disappears. And I, I just, I'm not sold yet. I've, I I guess I say yet, but he's had plenty of opportunity. There's another example. I mean, there's a guy who's given opportunity after opportunity to lead a team, and I I don't know, he doesn't. I think Toronto is going to go after Masoli. I would if I were there.
1: That McLeod-Bethel-Thompson incident at the Raptor game is kind of like a microcosm of his whole career. He does everything great off the start, and then he does one big, huge, major mess-up and gets kicked off the team, basically, right? Ah, what a time to be a CFL fan that was. Um, Masoli to Toronto... I thought that Missoli was one of the best CFL quarterbacks three or four years ago. And then after he had that non contact knee injury, it just really went downhill. Like, it wasn't that long ago Missoli was considered a premier passer in this league.
5: Oh, absolutely. In fact, a front runner for MOP mm-hmm. when he got hurt. And, you know, I, I agree. But think think about it with Zach Kolaris. Zach was in that same sort of position. An MOP discussion just. Followed him for the first half of a the season. Then he hurt his knee, and how many years did it take Zach to really get that knee injury behind him? Probably two and a half, three years, and then he goes back to Winnipeg at the at the perfect time for him physically. His maturity level is there, and he is the secret ingredient to a back-to-back championship team in Winnipeg. M- Masoli can be that guy. I mean. Is he's going to have to continue to you know sort of distance himself from that injury, and and that takes longer. You can go and play and perform, and we saw that last year with Masoli, but it's not it's not quite gone in your head, and it's not quite gone physically until you get to two and a half three years without re-injuring it. So you know I I think Masoli is is can be an MOP in the league. For sure. And and by the way, a great teammate, absolute mm-hmm. great teammate, first guy in the room, last guy to leave, all those things. He's going he's gonna to put the work in, I guarantee you, and that's, that's what leadership's all about. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what he gets, who all is in the bidding war to get him, because if I'm Ottawa, if I'm Toronto, I am going hard after him.
1: Well, some people think Masoli and Trevor Harris could be like veteran backups. And maybe Harris, maybe I get that, but it wasn't too long ago he was a premier passer too. I think if you bring in one of those two guys, Masoli or Harris, to be a veteran backup, that's going to cause too much of a kerfuffle in your quarterback room. Like when I'm thinking of, a, of, an, of an aging veteran backup, I'm thinking like Matt Nichols. Is there any team that's going to kick the tires on him, or did he prove this past year with Ottawa that he just can't do it anymore?
5: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I would put Masoli in a different category than Trevor Harris and Matt Nichols, and I okay. and I don't mean I don't mean I'm dropping Trevor Harris that far away because he isn't that far removed from being a guy who throws for almost 5,000 yards in a season and leads a team to the game, not winning it, but leads a team to the big game. So he's not that far removed from that. And I think once you do that, you've proven that you can. You know, the other thing is uh, that Masoli has shown that he can be in a two-quarterback system. Let's just call it that, if he if went that way in a season. He has shown that. He and Dane Evans were the great example of how you make that room work. So, you know, that's another sort of checkbox for Jeremiah Masoli. I, I'm not sure, you know, can Trevor Harris do that? He's done it before, but when it was when he was coming up. I'm not sure he hasn't done it and become the backup since becoming a starter and then kind of losing the job. So I, I uh, I think that's the question mark with those other two guys, but I would rank them from Masoli, then a gap to Trevor Harris and then a bigger gap to Matt Nichols.
1: Glenn Suter, always ha- always a pleasure having you on the Western Pizza Hotline. Find Tailored Suits brought to you by Quality Tire with ten locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Go Central Butte, Suits. Go Central Butte.
5: Central Butte. And if I'm the coach of Central Butte, I'm not bringing in Evander Kane either.
1: Well, Sorry. I don't think I don't think Evander Kane's coming to Central Butte. To be fair, <laughs> that's that, that's a big contract for Central Buttes. Maybe Keniston, maybe Keniston or Red Wings. The Rosetown Red Wings could afford his contract. I don't know. Uh, suits, a, thanks for have to have everybody. Have a great
5: weekend, guys. Yeah, have a great weekend.
1: Awesome. He is Glenn Suter. tailored suits coming up right after the news. We got Arash Medani with the Medani Imports. Next on the cage. Hot!
0: 620 CKRM is your source for the sports cage. If you've got something to say, call or text 306-936-6262 or call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Here's your host, Derek Taylor.
1: 6:05 on a Thursday. It is the backup edition of the Sports Cage. Clayton Croker alongside Abby White. Well, we originally called it the backup edition of the Sports Cage. Then we realized it's more like the the third stringer edition of the Sports Cage. Then we realized no, it's the practice roster edition of the Sports Cage. This next guy gives us some street cred though. Arash Madani. It's time for the Madani report. How's it going, bud?
6: Um. Well, Clayton, what does that make me a waiver claim? Is that is that how things go?
1: Arash, you know you're a first-line center, okay? <laughs> Don't be fishing for compliments over here, buddy. No, no. no Come on. No. Um, no, no. Let's, talk so, let's talk some CFL football like we always do. We haven't talked a lot about the Edmonton Elks today. Um, I know you want to talk about Noel Thorpe because something just seems a little weird there, right?
6: Well, Thorpe's under contract for this year, and um, Noel Thorpe was never going to be on Chris Jones' staff. If you actually think back and look back to the history together of the two of them, they worked together in Montreal. They were colleagues. And there was never a connect there. Matter of fact, it was a disconnect the entire time um, with Thorpe and and with Jones and their their working relationship, their professional relationship was uh was non existent. So this is going to be framed as Jones is going to run his own defense, and he's not going to run Thorpe's defense, and that's why Noel Thorpe became expendable. Um, the fact of the matter is, if Chris wanted to keep Noel around, he could have in another capacity. That wasn't going to happen. So Thorpe is out this year. I, I bet you, if he gave Noel Thorpe some truth serum, he would have told you, he would have told you, yeah, I I saw this coming the minute they hired Jones as head coach. Uh, Clayton, just put this in your back pocket. Eventually, Noel Thorpe's going to be in Montreal again, working with Danny Machocha again. Eventually, that's my call, but that's, that's what's going to happen at some point down the road.
1: Reinbold and Thorpe, some new faces in Montreal. Um, Zach Caleros, we were talking about his contract with Glenn Souter before you got on. Um, what do you think Zach Caleros' contract is going to be? Because the money for QB contracts and free agency, it's been kind of all over the place.
6: It has, and it's come down considerably from where it was a few years ago. You know, think back—I want to say around three free agency periods ago when Bo Levi was up, and Toronto, um, you know, Toronto opened the vault and Bo said no to them. The Riders were in the conversation. This is well before Cody Fajardo was even, you know, was even in the conversation. And um, the money's gone down because teams are realizing we can't invest that much of our cap into one position, into one position, even if it is the quarterback position. Mike Riley getting 700 G's to to go to BC um, in free agency that first year. So I'm I'm really intrigued on the Zach front because they're bringing the whole band back together. Clayton, you know, up front on their offensive line. Three of their fixtures, including Newfeld and Bryant, are back. And Willie Jefferson is returning. And Jackson Jeffcoat is back in the mix. So they're, they're going to try and run this whole thing back again. And if Caleros returns, I would think there's a tiny bit of a hometown discount from, from the standpoint of I don't think Zach's going to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. But let's remember, if you're going to bring all these guys back, it means somebody of significance won't be. So unless Andrew Harris is going to take a massive pay cut, and I don't know in his mid-30s with his injury history how many offers Harris may have, still is shown to be a guy who can produce for you when healthy, when available, I just wonder what Andrew Harris's future is going to be in Winnipeg if Zach Caleros returns, because there's only so many players that you can actually pay.
1: As Russell Peters would say, somebody's going to get a hurt real bad in Winnipeg. There's going to be mm-hmm. someone taking a pretty big pay cut. Uh, let's switch gears to baseball, because after 42 days of a well-deserved break... MLB, MLBPA getting back together, talking about uh, CBA, lockout, all that stuff. Any any news to reports on any proposals or anything?
6: No, in their infinite wisdom, nothing got done today. You know, they hadn't talked since, what, the 2nd of December when the lockout began.
1: I heard it was like an hour-long meeting, and that was it.
6: Yeah, and there were, you know, it was it was a core economics proposal, Clayton, is what they called it of what baseball presented the players, and some of it was increasing the minimum salaries and um, some other stuff about, you know, almost trying to, the, the league was trying to take a bow, saying, we're not going to manipulate service time, even though that was never allowed to happen officially on the books anyway. But this is, um, it was much ado about nothing today because the players immediately rejected the proposal. They're now going to counter next week with their own which I'm sure summarily Major League Baseball is going to reject. But ultimately, this comes down to how many years will it take for a player to get to free agency? And that, that's the biggest kind of nugget of all. Now, the owners and baseball, they want to expand the playoffs because there's more TV money that can come as a result of an expanded postseason. The players are holding back on that. That is one area that the players have a lot of leverage on. And remember, Clayton, the last two CBAs, the players got absolutely crushed. Um, It sounds like they've had enough of that. So this is going to be a very intriguing time because the players, for now, they haven't missed a paycheck yet, have said, we're going to stand our ground. They hadn't the last two times. Let's see what happens this time around.
1: It kind of sounds like you're bracing us for maybe an extended break from Major League Baseball. Is that what you're hinting at here?
6: I I, I would be shocked if spring training starts on time. Uh,
1: uh, really?
6: February 15th is when pitchers and catchers report, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be a shortened spring training. I would be shocked. I mean, they just can't be this stupid to... Um, To miss games, you know, baseball's in some trouble here, Clayton. I mean, their viewership is viewership is down and attendance is down and attention is down. They need to get on the same page. But it seems that the owners have more of a more of a priority to screw the players than anything else.
1: Well, it kind of seems like the players have a good idea, with like, and I know the traditionalists won't like this, but the bat flips and the yelling at pitchers and all that stuff, that's what people want to see. They love the drama around baseball, because when baseball is dramatic, it's fantastic. I think that's what baseball needs to focus on.
6: That's, that's, that's a big part of it, and let's make a universal DH, because nobody wants to see a pitcher up there mm-hmm. swinging like an idiot, and you want to get real offense on the field. And this is where the traditionalists have to just suck it up and go away, to be quite blunt with you. Um, baseball needs to, and it's not going to happen in the CBA, baseball needs to reform itself and quickly because the game is too long. Um, at a time where attention spans are shorter, uh, the shifts and everything like that and, and, and pitching changes, four-hour games times 162 is not going to move the needle. And for the traditionalists to come out and say, well, we have to keep it the way it always was, let's remember, Clayton, if you go back 100 years, the three biggest sports in America were horse racing, boxing, and baseball. Well, where are the other two sports right now? So there has to be an appetite to want to change. And so far, we haven't seen that yet from the baseball establishment.
1: I'm getting sad. Let's talk about something else, something happy. Rash Madani, the Madani report on the cage. Uh, The Raps, they're actually playing some pretty good baseball, or baseball, basketball as of late, won five of their last six. They're 20 and 18. Uh, Are the Raps, they're not done their rebuild, obviously, but are they starting to figure it out?
6: They are, and they're getting healthy again, and guys are off the COVID list, and Fred Van Vliet's playing out of his mind, and, Pascal Siakam very quietly, Clayton's averaging better than 20 points a night and getting, Mm -hmm. you know, 30 minutes a night. They've moved Siakam over to the guard position, basically out of necessity. Had a chance to interview Nick Nurse today. And one of the things that Nurse talked about, because Van Vliet, you know, he was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week last week, best player in the entire East. Nurse said 36 to 38 minutes is what they'd be comfortable with from a workload standpoint for Van Vliet. Like, this dude has turned into the face of the franchise over there. And Fred provides such a calm presence. And he's become that leader. He's become the guy for them. So, I'll tell you this, Clayton. This is the best version of the Raptors that we've seen in the last two weeks since COVID began back in March of 2020. They were playing really good basketball before the first shutdown since it's been, it's been a roller coaster. I think this two-week window has been as good as they've, they've been since we even found out what coronavirus meant.
1: And it's tough out here in the West, like in Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba. Like, we're casual Raptor fans. When Kawhi was here and they were lighting it up, everyone was on the Raptors bandwagon. And then everyone hopped off the bandwagon the next year, it seemed like. Yeah, that's what's frustrating here in Saskatchewan. Like, I love talking about the Raptors, but it seems like people only like talking about the Raptors if they're doing good. So thank goodness they're
6: doing good. That's how everything seems to be. These days, uh, not name the riders there, um, but but that seems to be look outside of your regional market. Um, that's how things are. Sports has become it's it's really interesting when you think about it when you look when you look at it. Very little in today's sports world, outside of an actual national team, you know, at an Olympics or at a World Championship, something like that. Uh, very little is national anymore other than the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, in in Saskatchewan, no one's really dissecting the Montreal Alouettes or Toronto Argonauts and vice versa. In in New York, people care about the Yankees and the Mets. No one's really paying attention to what the St. Louis Cardinals, Kansas City Royals, and Seattle Mariners are doing. And that that's really one of the things where, now that we have this overabundance of sports given to us, the fact that you can watch your local team play every game that it's not a novelty to get sports on tv anymore i think that's one of the byproducts of it
1: let's uh finish off the talk with some nfl big big weekend coming up in the nfl the very first uh three day playoff i'm excited for monday night playoff football which uh, matchup is intriguing you the most this weekend
6: I'm really intrigued to see this Buffalo-New England matchup again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Belichick facing the same team, same opponent, for a third time. How's that going to go? How's his rookie quarterback going to do in the cold and the wind and and all of that? It's not quite a referendum for Josh Allen, but if they lose, is this season a failure? I think the answer would be yes. Um, if if New England falters, Mac Jones would set the world on fire. um. In his last six games, it means his only win would be against Jacksonville. I think that's a really intriguing matchup. But the one, Clayton, I'm really looking forward to is San Francisco and Dallas. You know, Niners Cowboys again. Uh, cue the old school stuff with Deion Sanders and Charles Haley and, and all those guys Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, from the, Steve Young from the late 90s going at it over and over again. These two teams match up really well. there there are two teams that can play very physical football two teams that can run the ball really well I think that's going to be an absolute treat
1: I think on paper those are the two like sexy picks that people are looking forward to this Vegas and Cincy game I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to see how Joe Burrow does. Because Joe Burrow, in my head, he's like he's like the new Tom Brady, right? I'm not saying he's going to be the next Tom Brady. He's like the new Tom Brady. He's like the assassin. He's got this swagger to him. I'm wondering if he can do that in his first kind of playoff starter. or if he's going to fall on his face like a lot of other rookie quarterbacks, not rookie quarterbacks, but young quarterbacks. And then Arizona and L.A. on Monday – I hope Matt Stafford just just lights it up. This guy deserves a huge playoff run here.
6: How about Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray? Two number one overall picks going up against one another. Imagine Joe Burrow, another number one overall pick in the NFL draft going up against one another. You better hit on your first-round quarterback picks. That's what gets you there. Um, Here's what's interesting about the Cincinnati and the Raider deal. If you go back five weeks, Clayton... Five weeks ago, Baltimore was 8-4. and four. They're not in the playoffs. Four weeks ago, the Raiders were 6-7, and seven, and they're in. I just wonder how much juice the Raiders have. They're playing on a Saturday game, so it's a short week. They have to travel three time zones. Um, they just lost one of their top defensive linemen, They've been kind of running on adrenaline and running on fumes. What's left in that tank of theirs, I wonder? But Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase might be the most explosive, electrifying one-two punch in football. And it would be a ton of fun for them to have their kind of breakout national moment this week and next that kind of gets them on some kind of path. Because I love that you brought up Burrow. Because if you look around the young, phenom quarterbacks in the league today. Trevor Lawrence taken number one overall last year. Zach Wilson taken number two overall last year. Trey Lance taken number three overall last year. Kyler Murray, number one pick. Justin Herbert, a first-round pick. Justin Fields, a top pick by Chicago. You take all the young stud quarterbacks who have been taken in the first round over the last four or five years, and you ask any talent evaluator, all of them would take Joe Burrow coming off an ACL, and I think that's telling.
1: Very telling. What about uh, Jalen Hurts? How does he do in his first playoff start? I mean, he's got to play Tampa, but does he pull off the upset? Any chance at all? Philly
6: has not beaten a team with a winning record this year. I mean, that's, that's, that's wild to me. So, you know, Tampa, Tampa has a lot of question marks. And the weather there looks like it's going to be an issue. So I think that that's a bit of a neutralizing factor. But until Philly beats one team with a winning record, I'm not buying what they're putting down either.
1: All right, let's go rapid-fire picks to uh, close things out here. Uh, Vegas and Cincy, who you got?
6: Got to go with the Bengals, just everything I said about what uh, what Vegas has been through the last little bit.
1: Bills and Pats?
6: Still going with Buffalo. Better team, better quarterback. In there many in new england haven't
1: philly and tampa.
6: Going, with, tampa going with the bucks
1: yeah niners and cowboys
6: i think this is the game that there could be an upset uh this is the game i think the winner of this game ends up in the nfc championship i think whoever wins this game has an upset in them next week too
1: hmm wow okay uh do i need to ask chiefs or Steelers? No, Casey. No. Yeah. And then yeah, Rams, Arizona.
6: Matthew Stafford has struggled with ball control for the last four or five weeks. Turnovers have been his nemesis. If 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 LA, so we're not calling St. Louis, if if the Rams can win the turnover battle, they win the football game.
1: Okay. There you go. Put your mortgage on those picks. This guy is never wrong. (laughs) <laughs> Arash Madani. The Madani Report. Put your to mortgage you by-
6: on Kansas City? How about that? <laughs>
1: there you go. There you go. rash, as always, thanks for joining us, bud, and uh, thanks for uh, thanks for making my first hosting experience on the sports cage a good one because, man, talking to you just puts me at ease.
6: I appreciate you, Clayton, and congrats on the uh, congrats on the night in the big chair, my man.
1: Yay! It's actually a pretty small chair, but uh, I like there that they call go. it the big chair. Uh, the Madani Report, brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Golly a call at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. We'll take one more break and uh, be right back on The Cage.
0: The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM is on the air. Oh. Call us with your thoughts. 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-766. Six seven zero six twenty. Now back to DT and the panel.
1: No DT today. It's the backup edition of the Sports Cage. Clayton Croker, Abby White, with you again. It's more like the practice roster edition of the Sports Cage, but whatever. Um, we've been talking backups, third stringers all show long. I mean, these names just scream backup. Tino Sunseri, Marcus Crandall, Scott Clemenson, Jamie McLennan. I got a couple more for you, Abby, to add to the list. Craig Billington. Do you remember Craig Billington? Absolutely. Like the best backup goalie of all time. I don't think that guy was ever a starter. He was always just riding the pine. Um, Jeff Reese. Do you remember Jeff Reese? Hmm, That's a deep cut there. That's from yeah. the 80s. Yeah. He was always a backup. Corey Schwab was always a backup. Yeah. Nick Foles. Is Nick Foles the best backup quarterback of all time?
2: <laughs> no comment.
1: See, I when I think of a backup, I think of someone who doesn't play. I don't think of someone like Nick Foles who started as a backup and then comes in and wins big, right? I think of someone like Seneca Wallace who spent like their their whole career on the bench, right?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the the backups do serve a purpose, obviously. So uh, whether it's getting into the game or just making sure the rest of the team is ready to go.
1: <laughs> what would you rather be, Abby? Would you rather be the backup quarterback on the Riders, not a care in the world? You're making like hundred grand. life is good, but you never get the glory, right? Like, you're never going in. Or would you rather be the starter, make more money, but like you're the starting quarterback in Saskatchewan. And you make one mistake and people are asking you to move.
2: I think I'd want to be the starter. I mean all the glory is there and uh you know, you're a professional athlete, you wanna lay it all out there, so um it's your chance to shine. I would uh I'd rather be that guy.
1: Incorrect answer, Abby. The actual correct answer was the backup. Oh being okay. the backup quarterback being the backup quarterback is the best job in the world, Abby. You don't have to worry about a thing, and you still get all the glory of that quarterback title. That quarterback title, it's a great title to have. I'm the quarterback, right? Oh, it's cool, right? And being the backup quarterback from experience, let me tell you, Oh, I miss it, man. If I could just be a backup for the rest of my life, or the field goal holder, if I could be one of those guys for the rest of my life. I know a lot of kids dream about winning Game 7 on a penalty shot or winning the Grey Cup on on the dying seconds. No, I dream about being a 15-year backup. And just collecting checks without having to do any work. I don't know. That's I think dream.
2: I think it's a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, in any league. I mean, you're practicing hard all week long, and then you come to the game, and then you just stand there and wait and see if your quarterback gets hurt or not. I'd just rather be playing if I'm there.
1: Nah, I'm good. I'll pass. I'll, I'll look at uh, I'll look at some pretty girls in the crowd during the game. I'll hang out, maybe eat some popcorn. Pretend to write some stuff down on a clipboard. I don't know. I just don't have, maybe I'm just not a go-getter. Maybe that's it. I probably don't sound, I probably shouldn't be talking about how I like being a backup when my boss is the person I'm talking to. Hey, Abby? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at least I know who's super lazy. That's good. Yeah. No ambition over here. Just bragging about it to my boss. That was not a, that was not a good strategy.
2: (laughs) It's going to change once your child arrives, let me tell you.
1: I know, man. I totally forgot that Evan Johnson had a kid last year, too. And as soon as he reminded me, I'm like, oh, man, I kind of feel bad. I spent five minutes just asking him dad questions just for my own knowledge that I can steal from him. So uh, I can't wait, though, man. Like, are you a dad? You're a dad, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Mine's uh, all grown up and in university. Yeah.
1: So what you, what's your advice for me? the f- The first couple months, what's your advice when they're just potatoes doing nothing?
2: Enjoy every second of it because it goes by way too fast
1: and then they turn two and then it's over yeah i mean those moments when they're you know it's
2: you don't get any sleep and they're crying and all that stuff but boy they grew up and they change really really quickly so just uh it's you're gonna love you're gonna love it it's the coolest thing that's ever gonna happen to you but uh you know if you can make time kind of slow down a little bit uh in this first few months because they change real fast
1: that's the thing. Like when they're a potato, you can just force them to wear something. You can force them. You can force them to do anything, really. And then when they start getting two or three, they start talking back. That's when it's like, even as an uncle, I'm like, I'm over this kid. <laughs> 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 not even my kid yet. <laughs> oh. oh boy. Uh, Abby, it's been fun, man. Uh, am I allowed to come back tomorrow? Or yeah, you are allowed back. Uh, not a bad
2: debut for you there.
1: There was a lot of hesitation there, but I'll take it, buddy. I will absolutely take it. That's been a long day, sorry. <laughs> awesome. Uh tomorrow by the way on the cage, uh it's going to be another fun one. We got Sarah Orleski joining us. We're going to be talking about the Jets. Uh chase the ace with you as well. I believe we're going to be doing that on Friday.
2: Yeah, we'll be giving away uh potentially around 25 grand and we'll do that right at 4:30. Ooh,
1: talk with uh, Luke Mullinder tomorrow about the NFL as well. We'll probably be talking a lot of NFL tomorrow, right Abby?
2: Well, I mean, like you said, there's some great games this weekend. I'm excited about it.
1: Can't wait. Probably do some gambling as well. You want to uh, place a wager or two? Yeah, I might. That's, let's get real competitive tomorrow, all right, buddy? <laughs> we'll roll <laughs> real the competitive, dice. Yeah. Real competitive and real awkward. Tomorrow on The Cage, uh, it's Clayton Croker. Thanks for hanging out.